<laughs> We're in trouble now. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Keeping the tandy flame alive We may be mocked, but we'll never stop Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight bit world This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Yeah, welcome, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining. And oh. episode one oh five, countdown to Coco Fest. One week away. The last one before the next Coco Fest. Yes. Yay. Yay. The last one before the last next Coco Fest that's last. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> last. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Yeah. Who we got with us today? Uh, we'll start in the uh, upper right square. Uh, Mark Overhoster, how you doing today? I think I'm in the upper left, but okay. I'm oh, glad yes. to be here. Left and, and right. I'll be yeah. at Coco Fest. Hey, I'll be at Coco Fest. Your other cool. right. <laughs> He's got it right. It's yeah. the other right. The other, yeah, yeah, that right. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, Ron Delvo. Hello. How's everybody? Pretty good. Seen any good moon lately? Yeah. I got some <laughs> stickers I'm bringing to Coco Fest. I am coming. Cool. You guys want to what does oh, this say? My like, other computer window of your car. Show it again. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, That's good. Nice one. Uh, bring in a bunch of them, so hopefully cool. I can sell them. All right. Next up on the panel, Curtis. L. Curtis Boyle from Oak Canada. How Hello, you doing today? everyone. I've got some stuff to announce today, but we'll wait till the tech segment, I think, for that. I, I'll mention it during the uh, project updates and stuff, but I'll save the meat and potatoes of it till later. Okay. Oh, meat potatoes, yum. We can't wait. Can't wait. Always keep them wanting more. <laughs> That's called a teaser. Teaser. All right. Next up, uh, Brian Weasler. How you doing? Doing good. Doing very good. How's everybody? Oh, not too bad. I see you got Zaxxon going on there in the background. I think that is anyway. That is correct. All right. Yeah. And I see Z89. you got the right color set too. So. The updated version. Was the... oh, that the Z eighty nine one? I can't quite yes, tell. Yep. That's the yep. Okay. That's the Z eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Cool. But never mind my previous comment. <laughs> yes. All right. Next up, we got uh, David O'Connor. It's uh, good to be back, everybody, in the uh, on the craziest, uh, coolest geek talk in the universe on the Coco computer. It is. Glad to have you back. 
Thank you, Mark. Could you narrow it down? All right. <laughs> and I think you have a uh, update for us a little later on, though, right? Yeah, there's a bit of a, a project update on the on the big modular project going on behind me. Is uh, cool. I'll elaborate on soon. Well, lots of blinky lights. Hmm. I like blinky lights, except on alarm panels. Yep, 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 yep. I can relate to that. <laughs> and next up, uh, Nick Marotta. How's it going? Hello. Good. How are you? Oh, doing fine today. Yes, I have an actual Coco update this week, which you can already see in the back of me. Cool. I am, I am legit. I, at least I feel legit. You've joined the club. I've You're joined the club. I've dipped my toe into the, to the lake. And uh, here we go. There's no turning back. Now, there's no shame in not having real cocoa hardware, but you know, we. we Sorry. There's no shame in not having real cocoa hardware. Oh, of course not. We, we applaud you joining the club. This is my own personal. <laughs> I feel more legit. Nothing to do with anybody else. But the emulator, the emulator just wasn't cutting it for me. I think Mark is just trying to justify his uh, his Apple II computer in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, I'm telling uh, you. Oh, sorry. I just did. I'm telling you. It feels like I have a piece of my childhood back. It's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. They work after all these years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then PCs are all in the, you know, all in the dump, the landfill. Yeah, it well, seems to be too. When whenever anything goes wrong with a with a cocoa, it's it's not usually a major problem. It's usually pretty easy to fix. Yep. Mm -hmm. Basic like stuff. I said, like I said, I heard for, there's a date before which capacitors were okay, and then between a certain range they were junk, and now they're okay again. So yeah. maybe the cocoa is before they got uh, they were junk. Yeah, a lot of the older ones seem to hold up, have held up better, but uh, it's not a bad idea to replace them anyway uh, with and, the good modern ones. And Mr. Lorbieski at Voice on Tech will do that for you. I've had both of mine done. Cool. Yeah. It all depends. Yeah, I'd recommend taking it to somebody who knows what they, you know, like 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 Mark was just saying, take it to someone who knows what they're doing, uh, because replacing old capacitors with new capacitors, if you replace them with the wrong one, you can actually degrade the performance. It's uh, important to replace them with with high quality ones of the right type for the application. Cocoa Ooh. categories. Yeah, if you, if you look at the Mauser catalog, it's about three inches thick. So yep. there's lots of choices. Okay, yep, now, yep. we need a sound bite of Stevie yelling, someone get that cat some water. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to find that. It's in at least a couple of the episodes. <laughs> I, I've, who did? I've seen a few people report that when they recap their cocos, the video improves. It gets a, a little sharper. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Yeah, that'll happen because of um, ripple on the power supply lines can affect the RF modulator or the or the video outputs. And uh, when you get rid of the ripple, you uh, you get rid of all the artif all, all the unwanted artifacts on the screen. If I weren't in Canada, or I rather, if I were in the U.S., I would send it in. But it's kind of hard being in Canada. It's looking pretty good in the background there. It's looking like it's working well. I have a bit of a yellow stripe on the left hand side, but. Uh, is it a Coco tube? It's a Coco de. Yes, it's Coco tube. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. The there's actually French on the bottom added. Yeah, there's a fix for that. Yeah. So. Yeah, something about changing a trend, changing a timing uh, chip or something. Yeah. Spell correctly, color. 
But I am not a hardware guy, so I'm going to live with it. Okay. Well, ne next up on Thank the panel you. is uh, Terry Stiege, or how do, I how do we pronounce that? Stiggy. Stiggy? Okay. Stiggy. Um, can't, can't hear you, though. You're muted there, Stevie. Oh. I think he's got his you got your right. mute button pressed there. Yeah, he's uh, the zoom is not muted, but somewhere else uh, it, we'd be hearing gonna... crickets by oh, now. Is that better? All right, that's better. Yep. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> we can hear you now. Much better. Much better. It was probably better when it was muted, but how's it going, everybody? Oh, <laughs> come on. That'd be mean. We're not like. Come that. on. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Jason Reichard. How you doing? Hey, hey! I am. I am looking forward to Cocoa Fest next week. I am nowhere near ready, but I did stop at my local CVS today and I picked up some Australian style licorice <laughs> to enjoy during the show. Uh, of course. Yeah. What well, Australian? I was just going to say that. Vegemite or what? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't say it's Australian. It says it's Australian style. So turn it back upside down. Upside down then. Turn yeah, it upside down. The Get that man some Tim Tams. <laughs> oh, Tim Tams. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> There's only one thing I wouldn't like is licorice coated with, with Vegemite. I love Vegemite, but not on licorice. Especially <laughs> no. not. I, could, I, I, I couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest. <laughs> that'd be pretty. That'd be disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> My MC 10's ready for Cocoa Fest, but. Did I hear Ron saying he's going? I'm going, and I will be bringing mine also. Oh, then I don't need to bring my MC10 since you're coming then. It's MC10 Fest. Or could yeah, we, we set a new, set a new record for two MC10s at Cocoa Fest? Why not? I need and about four dozen MC10s here just to show up Jim Gary's new game since last year. So. Well, I've yeah. got I've got the memory now. I've got the memory module from uh, from uh, Zipster. And I'll be getting the case for it at Cocoa Fest. So, well, uh, looks like we got plenty of door stops. That's right. I was going to well, say, uh, when you empty tents, there'll be plenty of doors at Cocoa I Fest. I want one. Okay. Mm. Careful, Jason. Don't put it too close to your head. You're going to get brain cancer. Well, <laughs> I, I, I also have the aftermarket uh, generic uh, MC10. The approved model. <laughs> it, do, it does not work. With, it does not work with the uh, Zipster. Uh, memory expansion module though on the other hand it is extremely low power so yes it's right. it's it's like it uses it's nothing green. at all it's the green <laughs> it's got a nice sliping front panel too yeah. is it the uh is it it has a better module? keyboard better is it the memory module or the video upgrade that uh on the mc10 that you can't quite get the case back on well the memory module just plugs into the back so i, right. I can't i can't sp okay. I, I don't have the video upgrade i'll still be doing uh channel three four out so it must be the it must be the video upgrade that when you install that it's kind of harder to get the case back on or something it's too no mine went on fine okay so jason you bought the mcx 128 correct yeah for med snyder yep it was it was about the same price as i would have paid for a vintage module and it was uh available the other ones uh are hard to come by he's not here to speak for himself but um mike that did the pie the Pi drive wire supports the uh, MCX128 with the MC server, so you can yep. load software that way. Mikey's well, on YouTube watching, so. Oh, good. I, I have a cassette cable. I have a Coco cassette cable that works just fine with the MC10, and 
Yeah, you know, I actually haven't had a chance to load anything over 4K yet since I got it, but. Uh, Don't forget it, it is a micro color computer. Right, although you it doesn't appear, wrong. it doesn't appear to have a Becker port on it. I can't find, I can't find a Becker port on any of my computers, so. They're I've virtual. I've been They're reading virtual. a lot about that on the mailing list lately, but I, I don't, I can't find my Becker port. They're virtual. You won't find it. Ah. <laughs> Preach on, Ron. Uh, did the uh, stream get uh, forwarded on uh, Facebook? I, yes. I did see a Facebook yes. notification. Yes, okay. I am watching it live on Facebook. We want a link. So we are. We do seem to have an issue with the uh, chat over here, and I have no idea what to do to fix that. Oh yeah, right. Just notice that there's no one in there. Well, there is people in there, but we're not seeing it. Well, you see it briefly. It goes on, and then it just takes them off after a minute or two. Which I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, and I, have, mm. I, I haven't found a setting yet to uh, uh, fix that. And if I dig too far into it, it might break it really good. Uh, yeah. I, let's see. I next up, I'll help the... you with that. I'm sorry. What was that? I said I could probably help you with that setting. On okay. The chat. Well, you're you're next up anyway on the panel. <laughs> Great to so, be here. Yeah. Um, it's Mr. Inman. Yes, Rob. Yeah, actually, I have a Z eighty nine question for Brian Weisler. Brian, you 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 out there? Yes. So when I play uh, Z eighty nine, if I uh, after a couple of rounds, I get a, a Steve Bjork surprise where all I can do is, is crash into the front wall. And I think that's one of his copper protection schemes. So that's from the the uh, the Z89 that's on the archive. Is, does that happen to you? Uh, yeah, this is the one that was on the, uh, uh, the, the SD. And uh, I will have to play it some more. I just uh, I didn't realize that this one was on there until just recently. I've been playing. I usually play the older version, but I haven't played this one here uh, very long. But I will uh, certainly start playing it more and find out for you. Yeah, if you, if you play play through all your guys and then you go to start the game over, mm -hmm. uh, yep. all you can all, all you can do is uh, crash your head into into a wall. Oh um, yeah, like on the yeah the video that Steve did on YouTube. Yep. Or he runs yeah, into that so... issue. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that. that's a Stevie issue though, not a game issue. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so I'm supposed to say that out loud. Just regular gameplay for Steve. It has nothing to do with bugging the game. Nope, I haven't played this one. Uh, played this one enough yet. Here, I just uh, like I said, I just found it on the uh, on the uh, SDC. So, huh. all right. Oh, next up on the Great panel, goodness. James uh, Diffin Daffer. Now with thirty percent more yes. trains. Yeah, and I've got one going through now. Uh, this is what I get for not being fashionably late. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hi. Hope I got your name at least close to right. I'm missing a few letters there. Different, different. My name's been butchered so many times, I just say, yeah. Uh... <laughs> just call you James Daffer for now. I'm always shocked when someone gets my name right, so. Lady, lady. All right. All right. Next up, uh, Al Hartman. Hello. How you doing? Did you get I'm, your coffee yet? I'm doing. Yes, I'm doing good on the Jersey Shore. Al is caffeinated. Yeah. Yep, I am. Well, no, I'm decaffeinated. Oh, okay. But, uh, yep. Made my coffee. I'm a happy camper. 
All right. Got my ease of use and a cup of coffee, and I'm going to have some fun after the show. Yay. Cool. Play with my ease of use. Let's see. Okay. Um, Richard Lobrieski, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Let's see. It's one, it's, we're 17 minutes into Coco Talk, and I feel like I'm in a 10-hour movie, Meryl Streep movie marathon. Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't ask for a better endorsement from Lorbieski. Fine actress. Right. The original dumpster a, fire. I'm doing great. There, there's a lot of uh, crying and accents in this uh, Coco Talk is why. <laughs> hey, Richard, are you uh, recuperated from your vacation? No, not quite. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get over this. It's, it's a, a bad sore throat uh, situation and I'm slowly recovering and, and I've been contemplating whether or not if I was going to go to Chicago or not, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I will be going. I, I had just been either working or in bed. Uh, and so it's, it's been, been kind of tough and yeah, I'm going to have to cut it short today anyway, cause I'm going to uh, have to work today. Uh, tonight is the Fiesta Flambeau parade. There's going to be about a half a million people downtown. So I have to, be there for my work that means there's going to be scooter uh, bikes everywhere Everybody. yeah and and the spurs are playing tonight so this is the seventh game so if they win there's going to be a lot of celebrations down downtown so yeah. maybe riots oh it's no, act actually san antonio is pretty friendly so it's just going to be a bunch, bunch of happy people having a good time but but it's definitely not car friendly <laughs> thus the bikes yeah Maybe you should just stand a little further back from the dumpster fire so you don't get that throat irritation again. Just uh... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good tip. Thank you. Yeah. Well, my, th Jerk. my thunder won't be joining them, so <laughs> they're done for the season. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nick Marietis, how you doing? Hey, not too bad. <laughs> um, I see I'm on the uh, bottom of the list. How appropriate. I'm on the bottom of the planet. I'm on the bottom of the list here. <laughs> We've got well, to tip that planet upside down. Nick. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Everyone's standing on their heads to me. <laughs> that's <for> yeah. <laughs> and you drive Except on the wrong side of the road. What's <laughs> up with that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you get less wrecks that way? Oh. Someone's at the door. Did someone order a pizza? <laughs> no, I think I it was in Danish. I think we, we drive on whatever side of the road we want, don't we, Nick? <laughs> so that's, it comes that from stripe down the middle the... is just optional, a suggestion, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next up, uh, uh oh, my screen shifted on me. Polly T. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Ah, pretty good. That'd be Paul Thayer, right? Aren't you, Paul? You're That's Paul Thayer, yes. What was the question? I said, are you you're coming to the fest too, or, or is this the one you couldn't make at the last minute type thing? I am I am coming. Me and Simon are driving in together. That's right. Cool. cool. And speaking of Simon, he just showed up too. So, well, this is this is this year's version of Bring Your Brother the Cocoa Fest program mm -hmm. that uh, that my that Ken and I initiated last year. So, my brother's Thanks. coming with me too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you know, Ken can't make it this year, so thanks for the fairs to uh, continue the bring your brother to the Cocoa Fest. Uh, what I'd like to call a new tradition. Uh, bring your brother and a Danish. 
Someone's craving a Danish. All right. Yeah, Simon. All right. Well, last up, uh, Simon Jonasson. What are we talking about, guys? Well, we're just saying <laughs> hi today. <laughs> Intros. <laughs> just starting. What's the topic? Yeah. Introducing only, people. Yeah, it's only cool. 20 minutes in. We're not even halfway through introducing, right? No, no, we're done. We're done. Yep. <laughs> Time to move on. Right. Glad to have you here, Simon. Simon, you your presentation almost... all done? Is my demo done? No. No, no way. The demo is very cool, though. I had a look at it earlier, Simon, just just a couple of hours ago, and I got the the, the one you sent me that does work. It's uh, it looks pretty spectacular, I must say. Yeah, Good work, yeah. nice work. Paulie T sent the other one, right? I'm still working on that. I'm only like seventy five percent done, and I've got maybe four days to work on it before I fly it, out. I have a feeling you'll be coding on an emulator on the plane ride over. That's like... <laughs> yes. it, that's that what's happened to me in the past. So he's that hardcore. He will. Last okay. minute ideas. Yeah. <laughs> it will stop me thinking about falling out of the sky if I code on the plane. <laughs> the, plane's coming, <laughs> the plane's coming down some way, you know. Be it good or bad. I think the Mad Lab will definitely the... be temporarily in Michigan for maybe a few hours at least, though. <laughs> all right so uh so mark on the anything going on in the chat oh yeah we just got we got a bunch of people here chatting but pretty much everybody that's here a few other people though uh mikey i saw mikey and uh tom c and uh who else uh ken can make it yes i had your brother there jason bill pierce made a comment so uh yep and then just the rest of us here on the panel so okay uh let's see uh what's my script say uh, project updates who wants to be first <laughs> please <laughs> not everyone at once <laughs> please Curtis, please project update? yourselves I, i'm gonna hold off my project update till we get to the tech talk stuff there because we'll go into gotcha. a detail there well, so anybody else do purchases uh, count as a project I nominate Nick Morata. Nick Morata. Yes, Nick project. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Can I can talk a little more. I I can talk I, a little more. I got my Coco too. I think I think since you got your Coco do that you need to play the Coco do song on your on your ukulele. That's a good call. Oh boy, I second that one. Right. Well, wait a second. I heard no boy. I don't know. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> maybe later. Hey, I do have a I do have a queued up for later on. Yeah, there yeah we we'll call that a teaser. But there's my Coco 2 with the cartridge I got, which I couldn't ask. It was a random cartridge, and I couldn't ask for a, a, a different game. I really love that one. And uh, nice. Game. What did it all come with? Did you get some other hardware like joysticks? Or I got two, two block joysticks, uh, cassette cable. So here's my uh, cassette adapter, my uh, cassette player. <laughs> I repurposed an old netbook as to a uh, to feed the wave file to my computer for now until nice, I get nice. a. Uh, until I get a Coco SDC, but uh, right now it's serving me well, so I can load a few different games. Uh, on, uh, just on, a, an old, on an old LED LCD TV, and uh, two Black Beauty joysticks, uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. Looks it nice. Pretty, it was a good deal, and. Uh, <coughs> The keyboard's in really the keyboard. He cleaned up the keyboard so nice. I thought it was. I thought he replaced it because it's really bright. Uh, the, nice case is, the case is the case is yellow. 
yeah, yeah, the case is yellowed, but the keyboard is bright. So I'm happy with it. It might have been a lighter keyboard, and they took the keyboard and swapped it with the other No, I asked, him, I asked her if he did. I asked her if it was the same original keyboard, and he said, yeah. He just said, it's, it's, it's a melty key, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Yeah. Are they oh, real flat? I wish I could bring my, uh, I wish I could bring the webcam closer, but I can't. Is it, are the it's keys probably, really flat? The Coco 2 melted keyboards were a different build to the Coco 1 ones, weren't they? No, I've got one here. This this one I've got here is out of a Coco One. It's, it's the, the one. That, if it's melted, it's, the, it's higher than I remember it being. It's so the one where you can't actually take it apart because it's got all the all the, yeah. yeah so you riveted. can't actually do anything. Yeah, you can't actually do anything to to repair it if they go wrong. So, I'll get a picture of it and you can. Because uh, I thought the melted ones were more melted than that one is, but yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah Jason's got a melted one there. Right. Yeah, they look kind of wide and short versus the. Uh, right. Yeah, they're. We should probably explain to newbies that uh, it's not actually melted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Melt your keyboard. And don't set your microwave to low. Don't make sure to wrap it in foil. And don't chew the chocolate keyboards either. Burn <laughs> <laughs> hard way. They taste terrible. Yeah. <laughs> So, so oh, he gave me flat, he gave me the uh, he gave me the cable adapter too to hook it up to the uh, type connector so I could hook it up. So it's hooked oh, up the matching coax. transformer. It's hooked yeah. up by coax right now. Uh, so yeah, it's nice. For now. He said you one of these. Yeah, I'm actually okay. gonna mention the show to him because he's uh, he sounds like he's a collector of different uh, different uh, hardware. He's got a few other things too, like his ZX Spectrum. So I mean, I mean, I'm gonna mention the show to him and see if he's interested in at least checking it out. That'd be cool. Now, did you get a 16K or a 64K model? It's a 64K. Okay, so you're ready to rock okay. all the Coco 2 stuff then. Have, yeah. you, have you ran the 64K memory test, uh, better known as Sailor Man? Uh, I, that's one I've been having trouble loading off my cassette deck, so I will keep trying. It's a little persnickety. Jason, what was that doohickey you had there? That's a matching transformer, so you can oh. use the... Uh, well, it's not even a matching transformer. Out. It's just uh, RCA oh, to F. Because it's oh, already a 75 on map, but but mine's a cable. It's got it's got that on one end and the coax on the other. It's not a separate. I have some of those too. Yeah, I have. Which is a bit of a pain because I wanted longer cable. I was gonna I put my VCR up here. I was actually gonna go through the VCR, uh, so I could like switch different things in and out. But you can use short. a uh, you can use an RCA joiner to do that and get a good quality RCA mm -hmm. lead and extend it. Yeah. Yeah, just pick up one of these. I'm sure you can pick up on eBay or Amazon. It's just RCA yep. to a, yeah. a female F connector. And uh, hey, Ready Shack had them. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Do they and still sell? Do they still sell these at the source? I don't know. You're in Canada. Do they still? I don't know if they still sell these. Ah, uh, the source became more of a cell phone kind of place. Okay. Yeah. So did Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah. You may be able to find one. You may have to order one. But th these are nice, and I do. I have the cables also, but they're. Too short. Yeah. This will just go right in the back of the MC10 is where I was. I've been keeping it. And... Well, back in the day, I used one of those on my Coco too. I didn't want mm. to use the switch box anymore, so I used. It. I got one of those. No, why, why go from 75 ohms to 300 ohms and then back to 75 ohms? Yeah, so it's, it's a huge loss. Yeah, basically like one of these. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I don't have one of these now. You. The TV doesn't have screws on the back, but I want nothing to do with that thing. Yes, worst of both worlds, right there. Yes, they were horrible. Does anyone want it? 
I will I will donate it to Coco first. Yeah, bring it. Is that a threat? Bring it with you. There's there's an auction item right there. Everybody like should a negative bid. Experience one if they have it. Have to, will they let that on the plane, Simon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That might be a PAL one. Yeah. No, it's an NTSC because it came from, it came from an MC10. You know it has a mechanical lever. That sounds like one of those like late night horror movies. It came from an MC10. <laughs> <laughs> it came in well, through hey. the window. It and the MC ten killed no, the deluxe Coco, that, so that, that looks like a ZX eighty one switch box. I I have one or two of those myself. You know, I've even used like an Atari twenty six hundred switch box with a Coco. It's the same thing except uh, the one with the Coco says T V computer and I think the one that came with the twenty six hundred said T V and game. game. Yeah. Mm. No. Well, you know, take the big title off of like a 5200, which required a special box. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to. Uh, I can dig one of those up too. I got a 5200 sitting right here. And Nintendo had a different one, an auto switching one also. Yep. Yeah, but it wasn't it relied, awful like the 5200 one was. It relied on some kind of bias in the signal to so hit. Well, there's a 5200 joystick. I have I have that handy. The <laughs> horrible, horrible 5200 joystick. Horrible thing. Yeah. By the way, we have a comment from our fearless leader. He asks, "Why are you guys making Mark B do all the talking? Help a brother out." <laughs> I talking heard about Mark talk in ten minutes. I don't know what oh, Steve's talking about. Said that. You, I yeah. was talking about my Coco. I think yeah, he's I don't watching he's a different about. show. <laughs> yeah, it must be. I think there's a big there's a big lag going on. He posted that like ten minutes ago. Probably yeah. watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> what does he know? He's on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah, looks stunning too. <laughs> Pictures of it didn't happen. <laughs> so like I posted in uh, the group, I was like, so I'm getting a cassette cable. Uh, I didn't think I'd have a use for it, but then I'm like, oh, I can load the WAV files. Yeah. And, uh, yep. yeah. You can even stick them on so your I'm phone. I'm actually really glad I got them. Well, like I said, I have the computer feeding it in, but yeah. So I go through the cassette. All right, I found my 5200 monstrosity switch box. That's it. Yeah. So they, awful. Didn't that and have they, the RF modulator they built die. in? It has, no, I don't think the RF modulator's in here, but you plug the power into here, and the power goes down the one cable into the 5200. It's awful. Weird. Oh, Someday I'll do a composite mod and maybe do the two-port mod and just get rid of this whole monstrosity. So, so not only do you have the, the, the horrible video signal, but you've got a power signal going down the same cable, clagging it all up with its uh, horrible God, hum. And, and yeah, there's a, there's a power jack, right? You get the power jack right here and the F connector right here. And oh, wow. what is this for? This is well, like that's normal, and, normal and standby. And AC power down the same line as your video can't be good. <laughs> no, no, it's exactly what I'm thinking. Mm, but it was that constantly go wrong. <laughs> it took a bit of Old capacitors in a, in a power supply like that, and you got a ripple on that line, and you're going to see it big time. Mark B, I don't know if you saw it there, but uh, Rob sent you a, a message in the Zoom chat that to, might be able to fix the uh, the chat up window on the, the main screen here for you. All right, let me read through this yeah. while, uh, while you guys uh, chat amongst while yourselves. Cover, cover for him. Vamp, vamp everyone. So now that we've got Nick, I got a Coco 2, has anybody else got any acquisitions or project updates that uh, aren't going to be part of the main segments? Well, I, got a, I got a couple books that I picked up here last week that came in. Go oh, for you're, it. you're good at that. 
<laughs> I got the uh, the ever popular program catalog. Oh, yeah. oh yes, the little one that has all the all the different. You come with the program packs when you bought them. I got a few of those. Yeah, yep. I have one too. Yeah, they're kind of neat. Got that. And then uh, here's a book by uh, John Garillo. I think I pronounced Garillo. Garillo. It's the uh, Color Computer Applications, and it just has a whole variety of bunch of different little basic programs in it. So it's just I don't think I've seen that one before. Yeah, it's kind of a neat <laughs> one. I I hadn't seen that one either, and it has just uh, I don't know some examples. I don't know just uh, like is, is it like utility or is it like hardware project related or is it everything? Uh, no, it's it's just yeah, it's little utilities and stuff like that that you can program here. I'm just looking to see here. Where, where'd my page go? Here it is. Uh, yeah, bar charts, uh, Weaver, uh, figure generator, a sketch pad, a laser tank, which must be a little game that you can put in here. Um, yeah, just a bunch of little, just a little programs there. I can uh, I can get some pictures of it for everybody if they want to see it or want some more of it. But it's kind of, kind of a neat little neat one. I hadn't seen that one before. And then one I'm one. sure uh, I'm sure Curtis has seen before, and that is the official basic 09 tour guide. Yep, so, I have one back over my shelf here. Yep, this is one I didn't have. I had the other ones, but not this one here by Dale Barnes. So, yep, so that was kind of neat. And then I, uh, basic, right? uh, I did pick up another one of these here. The, uh, yeah, uh, like the flight stick style uh, uh, joystick. I had one uh, new in a box, but uh, this one here, I was able to pick up those yeah. out of the box there. And so, this one that I can kind of that way I can play with one. So I just that got one's one really good for timber, man. Yeah. It? Okay. <laughs> I disagree, but yeah. okay. <laughs> no, that's... Oh, and this coming from the guy who won it to the guy who first guy that unlocked the other character. So I don't know. <laughs> Works for me. Oh. Your Have your you mileage seen... may vary. Have okay. you guys seen this one? It's a uh, how to use your Radio Shack printer. Hmm. Oh. It's by William Barden, who did the uh, machine language. Consists oh, of one page. Plug it in. Turn it on. <laughs> Up the computer. Uh, has, <laughs> don't hold it up too long. You might get a cease and desist. Yeah. Here's, here's a couple of things I'm going to donate to. To I'm going to donate it to the auction. All right. Is that, uh, is that casino? Casino? Yeah. yeah. Do you have do you have, do you have a way to light yourself up a bit better there, Simon? Because it's really hard to see. Uh, he's he's a a protection program. I'm sorry. Simon for showing his stuff that he's trying to show them. Yeah, you're in silhouette, Simon. Yeah, casino thing there. Invasion Force. Yeah, and I've got the cassettes to back it up, um, and I'll bring them as, as as donations to the the auction. And I've also got this. Um, it's a bookmark, all right. Over the Koga history book. It's a bookmark, and it's signed by Busy Pete, and by someone else. I can't read the other signature. Bill, Bill. Uh, Ligwood. Ligudis? Ligudis? Yes, yeah, something Ligudis. like that. <laughs> okay, these are going to the auction. I'll donate them. Cool. Thank you, Simon. And I'll donate the cassettes as well f to back up these casino and invasion force. They play a Model 1 software, isn't it? I don't know what it is because I just got it in a box with something else. Invasion yes. Force for sure is. I'm not sure about Casino. Yeah, I think it is as well. Yeah. Brian. If anyone can yeah. use it, they can use it, you know. Do you remember the um, book you you got? I think you got this book where it's a um, 
uh, cross-reference for basic. Oh, yeah. You got the little bound yeah. one. I got... Uh, yeah. Have you ever got... seen the bound one? No, I've not seen the bound one before. Is that the, the little TRS-80 computer reference guide? Is that the one? Yeah. You and it's It's got like a Naga hide. <laughs> Ooh, real genuine Naga hide. Yeah. yeah. Genuine Which, Naga I, hide I leather. That that'd, be, that'd be kind of cool to get. I like it. Yeah. Neat. Oh, and this is by William Barden Jr. also. Yes. Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. Don't get there too long. It's William Barden Day. <laughs> <laughs> On that one there, though, the is it? Uh, it's not yellowed, but didn't they use like a yellow type of like paper on it? Uh, the edges it's, are a little yellow. Is it pre-yellowed? <laughs> pre-yellowed. <laughs> yeah, this has been around. Six ninety-five. Looks like pocket size. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Richard's about to head out to work, just so you guys are aware. So we'll talk to you later, Richard. Thanks for yeah, coming on. See, right. see you guys next week. All right. Yep. Bye, Richard. Thanks. Good forward to seeing you there. We'll have no, some sort of a show next week, week anyway. Is there going to be a show next week? Well, I'll yeah, be broadcasting so. it. Yeah. We might check in with, we might check in with the Coco guys. Uh, be broadcasting. Are you, are you going to be all by your lonesome? It's going to be like, hello. I'll be here. I'll be everyone. here. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be here. Oh, all those left behind will get together. All oh, right. Oh, and yeah. I, have, and I have to adjust for the time zone difference because it'll be 2 o'clock Eastern. Three central. Or no, what one central. There, one central. One central. I'm going to have to see. I'm already messing it up. We're like What's the island of misfit toys. Given that I can't be at Coco Fest itself, I'm actually I'm planning to be here. So uh, this is the next best place to to Coco uh, to to uh, Coco Fest. I think we'll it's the best place. We'll probably have some, some people made in. This is some also the made. number one Coco podcast that starts at 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. Is it the only I'm one? Still a little too vague. <laughs> got to narrow it down a little bit. On this particular Zoom channel, hosted by us. Same Zoom time, same Zoom channel. Yeah. Two o'clock Eastern, one Central. There. Those of us at Coco Fest will we will know exactly what time it is because seventeen real time clocks will be released. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have the. Is that going to be enough? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the uh, imitation real time clock. It's gonna be called. I can't believe it's not a time clock. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be self adhesive and everything. Just stick it right on. That's the one that comes factory from the cocoa. Yeah. It'll, it'll just say it'll just it'll it won't even blink. It'll just be it'll just say twelve o'clock. You saw the one in the numbers are painted on. Yes, like you used to get on like watches and whatnot. The little just fake clock. Right, they yeah, have a little, little sticky, a little, little uh, piece of plastic over the top of it. Yeah, right. it written. Yeah. You'll need the David Ladd Maxi Mega MPI so you can plug all the different real-time clocks in at the same time. A real-time <laughs> clock for every time zone. That's right. That sounds like we'll a female a, product. Maxi we'll Mega. Have a, a, be... <laughs> With wings. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> not after dark guys come on calm down yeah, i was just gonna, was just gonna say that <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you see on daytime saying. television during the week maybe i meant antiperspirant i don't know <laughs> does anybody else got any uh updates or projects they want to mention here or stuff they're preparing for the fest they're willing to talk about uh i don't know anything I preparing wish. for for coco fest because i'm because i'm unfortunately unable to go because i'm on the other side of the planet and it's a long way to swim but uh but I do have an update on my synthesizer project that I was talking about earlier on, you know, running in the background there. It's uh, 
finally hooked up to my uh, original Coco one, um, and I just literally wrote a uh, a bit of a uh, proof of concept program literally before the show, um, just in the background there to output some sync pulses to uh, run into the step sequencer as you can see there. If I can get my finger in the right spot and to the uh, where is it there? That's the envelope generators. Um, I don't actually have audio connected from the synthesizer to my system sound at the moment, so I can't actually demonstrate the audio, but I'm hoping to have something there next week after I uh, become a little bit more elaborate with the program on the, on the Coco. But as you can see for now, it's, it starts at the top on the, uh, it starts at the top and, and does eight sync pulses out and then they synchronize. It's difficult doing this thing in a mirror. I'm, I'm in a mirror. So. <laughs> Move my finger left and it goes right. <laughs> is this a basic program yeah, you're running or a machine language or a hybrid it's uh, just basic at the moment um i'm running i'm setting myself a challenge i want to see how much i can do in basic and how tight i can get the timing um and if i need to do some tighter timing stuff in certain areas i'll uh, write some machine language subroutines and call them from the main basic program but for now that's just a simple basic program with four next loops and and nothing much really more just a few print statements and some maths and and uh i'm actually using the sound command not even using the play command i'm using the sound command to send outputs out the uh six bit DAC, and then the six bit DAC is connected directly to the uh the uh inputs on the modular synthesizer what's your and ultimate all... goal here uh david is it uh, to do a total retro music with it yeah well a lot of the music i do anyway is very i mean as 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 we showed on uh, what was it episode 98 was it i think we did uh, when we did the music thing um a lot of the stuff that i do is 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 very much influenced by bands like tangerine dream and Kraftwerk. um so a lot of it's sort of late 70s early 80s inspired but with G modern Michael technology Dre. yes 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 yeah jmj is one of my biggest influences um and those guys literally used uh, very much you know, pretty much the same kind of hardware as I'm using at the back there. In fact, my modular synthesizer is based on the on the equipment they used. Um, the sequencer running up here is what's known as a Q960. It's by a company called Synthesizers.com, which is on my T-shirt, and it's modelled after the original Moog 960 um, sequential sequencer that they uh, released. I think it was in the early 70s. And that basically sends out a, a sequence of, of control pulses, um, varying voltages, which then go into oscillators and filters and whatnot in the, in the main synthesizer module to produce notes and textures and volume and, and, and sequences the whole thing. So, uh, so you can pretty much run all of that um, in real time, edit it and change things in real time and play the, the, the modules and the synth, change the textures of the sounds as it's playing. Uh, then play chords and melody lines over the top, and you and that's pretty much um, what most of the uh, late '70s Tangerine Dream, Jean Michel Jarre, uh, Kraftwerk kind of stuff was was based around, really. Um, and, and how do you and how do you want to use the Coco with this then? Well, the Coco at the moment is the main clock source for all the sequences. It's actually sending out the control pulses that are actually that the that the modular synthesizer is sequencing too. Um, yeah, the, the advantage with using a computer to do it is you can program in certain steps and you can program different lengths for each pulse and you can make them repeat um, on, on certain beats if you want and, and make it interactive where, where the computer will respond to certain notes that you play and it might change the sequence in real time 
Um, so yeah, having having the cocoa um, sending out all the main master control uh, signals for this, um, you know, if if I wanted to do something custom, I can just write a new program for it. And you want to create some sort of a graphical interface on the with this that you can then select. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a. I'll have. Um, there'll be real-time controls on the screen. I'm probably going to use a combination of the joysticks and the keyboard, um, so you can input changes in real time on the screen and change patterns and change sequences as you're playing, literally. And uh, one of the, the plans for all of this is the next album I work on. I actually want to release an album of all of the, all the music I do with the with the Coco controlling everything. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, hopefully yeah. by next week, you can actually have some audio demo that you guys can actually do on on the show, you know, while we're all at the fest type thing. So you have some new stuff to view for everybody. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, depending on how the live stream goes, uh, last time we tried live streaming audio, it was it was really ordinary, the quality. We were, uh, Stevie and I spent a, few, a couple of days trying to get it all right. So worst case scenario, what I'll do possibly this week, um, once I get some more things up and running, um, I'll upload some stuff. I'll just record some live stuff here um, as a as a video file and upload it to my YouTube channel, and post it in the in the Coco Facebook group, and and we can maybe whoever's um, streaming next week um, could maybe play a bit of the um, a bit of the YouTube video. And it'll all be original music, so there'll be no copyright issues. Cool. Hmm. Anybody else got any updates they want to talk about? I think Jason was waving something in the air. Oh, I'm just uh, I'm just building more switcheroos. I've got. Uh... Just another, just another uh, wiring, another wiring harness I have. That's all. Just uh, getting those all ready to go. That's 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 really it. And I'll, I'll have I'll have switcheroos and wallabies uh, at at Coco Fest. So just no new products this year from you? No surprises? Uh, no new products for Coco Fest. No, I've been uh, I've been busy with real life stuff and uh, have a few ideas, but uh, none of them have. I've been able to come to fruition yet. Okay. Anybody else on the panel have anything they want to mention that they've acquired or are working on? It's a question in the chat there. I think it's directed to me. I can't quite read it. My resolution is not that great. It says, physical uh, interface. what physical interface are you using to connect the uh, Cocoa to the synth? Yeah, okay. Um, at the back up the two, again, well, let me get my finger in the right spot. Right there, that uh, the big analog step sequencer at the top is a uh, Roland System 700 um, sequencer that has a uh, what they call a pulse shaper input, which takes any signal, basically. It can be audio or it could be anything you want, um, and it converts it into from audio into control pulses. Um, so what I've done there, I've, I've got an output on my Coco um, directly from the 6-bit DAC output, and the 6-bit DAC is going into the, um, the control pulse input on that sequencer. And then the output from that then goes into the rest of it. So uh, that's um, yeah, that's how it's interfaced at the moment. I'm planning on using the the uh, the uh, OPL3 chip in the um, in the Mega Mini MPI uh, in future versions as well. Um, that'll give me two extra channels of uh, of audio, um, and I can have a, a frequency um, basically a, a frequency splitting device that'll take low frequencies, mid frequencies, and high frequencies. Uh, and give me three separate outputs per channel. So I'll be able to get six different outputs directly just from the APL3 chip uh, that I can then use to control six different sections of the sequencer once again. Um, and after that, um, probably 
look at working possibly with Ed Snyder on uh, designing a cartridge that will have um, a, a number of DACs built into it and also digital outputs. So I'm hoping to have like eight analog outputs and maybe eight, an eight bit or even a 16 bit um, digital output that I can use as well. So uh, that's further down the track though. Cool. Cool. Are we done with updates then? Has anybody else got anything? Doesn't sound like it. So did we want to do a commercial break before we start hitting news and stuff? Yep, I think it's break time. All right. That'll give me a chance to get some more coffee too. And probably Ron probably. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world renowned exclusive French Canadian. Got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. And we are back. Okay, so we have a little bit of news, not too much this week. Um, probably should see if I can share my window so, here. Let me just get things positioned. All right, so I need to stop share. Okay. Oh, it looks like a. Uh, we got two comments in the chat now. Maybe the chat's working again. Eh, they'll slide off after a bit. Yeah, like that one. Yeah. Figure that out? yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I haven't found found a setting for that yet. Okay. It looks like it's it looks like what? it's cropping. To, like if there's a crop on there somewhere that you can crop the amount of space it takes up. Maybe it's something you can stretch out there to to make it fill up yeah. the whole top of the there, thing or something. There's a there's a property setting. Yeah, um, they've been going up to the top when there's enough of them but they all just keep sliding off one at a time like they're timing out ah uh, okay I see right right yeah I haven't seen that before yeah they've been uh, they'll, they'll actually slide off to the right and vanish it's like they have a lifespan and then they go yeah. time out and go away right and I haven't found a, a place to set that setting and then of course why would that setting be different from last week anyway <laughs> yeah that, yeah that good is point. different Hey, uh, David, 
Mike Brandt says that uh, multi-DAC cart idea sounds interesting. Yeah, I think it's yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's something I've got, you know, um, Ed Snyder's already uh, had a design, so uh, sorry, software, hardware that's um, that's got multiple DAC outputs. So I'm just looking at possibly mm -hmm. uh, working with him to expand that, that uh, concept and just add mm -hmm. a few more. So uh, it can be used for all sorts of things too. It doesn't have to be used for music or synthesizers. It can be used for oh, anything yeah. that you want to analog control voltage output. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking from there, it's a short step to add relays to it to uh, control, say, line level, you know, power level stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's why I want to have the digital outputs as well. If you've got an 8-bit or 16-bit digital output, you can configure it to do anything you want. You can use the individual bits to directly switch relays or you can feed it into anything else. Um, I think there were some Rainbow articles on how to build a, uh, uh, they used like the 6821 and drove relays with it. Okay. Yep. I'll take out, um, I got some stuff I, uh, I did, uh, used a Cocoa in a college project where I uh, built a computer arm. And the interface to that was a chip, and I'll have to go find the documentation, but it had 16 digital outputs. And by just using uh, peek, and, or, uh, peek and poke statements, you could read or write to those, any mm -hmm. one of those 16 outputs there, and you could configure them however you wanted to. And it was just a little yeah. single chip that I yeah. put on there. So yeah, that 21 chip would do that. It has like two, two or three 8-bit output IO ports. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And I use that to, mm -hmm. to drive uh, drive some boards and I made some stepper motor boards at the time uh, to drive some stepper motors and uh, it was just a simple simple little circuit that I uh, put together and then uh, used joysticks to move the individual um, huh. axes of the robot arm. It was a simple project. I got an A on it, but uh, I'll have to dig it out sometime. I still have it buried somewhere. So. Oh, that's, oh, cool, cool. That would be cool. You know, stuff they manufacture today for I.O. that they use with Arduinos would probably also still work with the color computer with just yep. a little bit of I.O. mapping. Yeah, uh, you might have to do some level shifting. Most of that stuff is 3.3 volts, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I shifted up to TTL or something, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty, um, I mean, do, they have, stuff, stuff like that's actually, I mean, there's, there's tons of ways to do. You can really go old school if you want and use 4000 series CMOS and use gates and literally make your own you know, decoders there, address decoders, but uh, there's not enough room in a cartridge to, to put eight of, you know, <laughs> something there with eight of those, eight outputs on it using discrete gates. That's, uh, you know, that's... Um, Ah, chips are so new school, uh, so newfangled. Go to tu go with tubes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Get some spark. I think gap. it's time for news, guys. News <laughs> time, right. guys. Okay. Uh, let's see. So is the screen being shared? I can't tell from here. I think yes. Yes. I can see L. Curtis Boyle screen. Okay, so yeah. we're seeing uh, the first first item I have up here is uh, there was a guy who's been designing cases for. Uh, I think it's for the pies, isn't it? So what it looks mm -hmm. like is pie. Looks like he's a pie. USB ports and Ethernet ports and stuff on the side. So he's got you know samples here of a Commodore and a Tier City Model One, and people were suggesting they should do it for the Cocoa. Now we've had some cases kind of designed for this. I know John Strong's done a few, so I don't know if that qualifies. But these are like with multicolor, and, and you were know, trying to match the original look as much as possible. So yeah. I thought that was kind of really cool. It'd be interesting to see a full bowl and Cocoa Cocoa one. Neil, you need really tiny fingers to program that. <laughs> well, that I don't think the keyboard's actually functional. I think it's just their control. <laughs> it was a bad attempt. At, it's a bad attempt at humor there. <laughs> well, the only kind we have here. You, could, if you finally got to use for the Apple Pencil, you can just tap the keys with the tip of the pencil. So. There you go. 
Well, that's the same keyboard I got on that uh, mini uh, C64. Yep. Yep. Non-functional. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, here we've got a um, an article by James Jones, who's a guy who used to work for Microware, so he's quite familiar with OS nine and Basic nine. And basically, he has a bit of a tutorial here. Where he took a a color basic program uh, that was published in Rainbow, I believe, and then he actually converted it to Basic nine and kind of goes through the uh, you know steps of how to do it and what types of things you have to change, what stuff you can just leave alone. Um, and then there, there's some differences between the languages too. There's just stuff you can optimize. So we, it's a nice article kind of giving an explanation of what to do. And that's something actually I would like to do a bit of a series on later on the show here, but kind of do a tutorial thing kind of like Steve York did with assembly languages to do a basic nine one covering this type of stuff or just, you know, coding, you know, starting <laughs> in basic nine from scratch type thing. I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah. That's yeah. That'd be yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Once EOU is done. No, if I do that, it'll be like 10 years from now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try to get something going on that there. And I, I might take some suggestions at that point, too, if, uh, if you guys pick some, you know, color basic programs or extended basic programs or whatever that you want to see converted, and we can kind of make it a multi-part, you know, going through each part of the code and how to fix it. That's, yeah, that'd be cool. And this is the one I think uh, was suggested by Mr. Connor there. The Floppatron, was that your suggestion? Yeah, found, yeah, I found it during the week. Actually, I've I've been following the Floppytron, the Flopotron, the Flopotron, that thing. I've been following that for for a couple of years now. He's, and the progress that he's made in in designing this thing, it's um, basically a, a thing that he programs from a PC, which uh, which uses MIDI files, um, and he sends all the all the data out to a bunch of old three and a half inch floppy drives and uh, hard drives and plotters and printers and things and. Uh, controls the stepper motors to produce um, sounds and like the percussion sounds and, and notes and and this one was done really really well it's one of his latest ones and he's obviously done a few upgrades to this to this system um, and it just so happens that he, the, one of the latest ones he did was country roads and I thought well having you know being the lead up to uh, Coco Fest I thought that was very very appropriate a nice geeky little thing like that a very cool geeky thing with uh, with the, uh, the make the track music and you can see the the wall of floppies here. Yep. We not got audio there. Now, but you're seeing you know, things like. Uh, no, you're not sharing your audio, probably. Okay. Uh, one thing interesting too, if you look at them, like the baseline, it looks like he's using multiple uh, multiple floppies, like maybe ten of them, and you can see it, uh, you know, uh, dissipates out across them, so he gets a, a complete attack on the sound. Well, you can. It's it's polyphonic. So you can play like chords yeah. on different, each, each stack of those yep. floppy drives that can produce individual notes and you can play them all together. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It sounds amazing. And he's even got, you know, the, you'd have to share your sound systems. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure where that is here. Cause it's, I don't see it showing up. Uh, should be under share. Like the font base. <laughs> Are you on a Mac? Yeah. You can't do that from here. Oh, here, share computer sound. All right, so I want to be install special drivers and stuff. So yeah, something something just went funky with uh, Zoom here. Okay. Did we break the internet? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a really cool. Here's a nice shot of it here, where you can see like his entire you know, setup there, where he's got the very orchestra. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's he's done a whole bunch of songs like on this thing. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it I will mine. mention the very first multi-voice song on the Coco I ever heard back when I had a 4K Coco 1 was Country Roads. It was done by the composer by Speech Systems. Now, it was too big to fit into uh, 4K. It required 16. But I found out that if you did a Claude M off tape and then you timed it to a certain number of seconds, which I actually measured with my watch, and then you forced an IOR by hitting stop, it would have enough of the song loaded in. You can play about the first minute. So I, I actually it was the very first uh, multi-voice song. I didn't even know up until that point that Coco could do multi-voice. I was just used to the sound command. So now, David, you said you might be able to share uh, audio there. Yeah, I'm just pulling it up now. I'm just going to see if I can get this. Uh... We won't play the whole thing, but just maybe play a little clip in the middle so we can kind of hear what the sound sounds like. Yeah. Here briefly. All right, it's working on mine. Yeah, I've got to work out. Yeah, I want to go share. Um... Where are we? Share system sound. Where are we? Advanced. Everybody look busy. The boss is here. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, uh, well, the last little segment there, Brian, the music man joined us. So how you doing, Brian? Doing pretty good. How's everybody else doing there? Oh, doing fine. Trying to keep uh, the train on the ready. tracks. Can you get ready right, to go to Coco Fest? Yeah. Okay. Let's try Art. this. Let's see this. I, I don't know. If, oh, hang on. How do I sh oh, hang on. Wait a minute. I've got to share the screen as well, don't I? Uh, wait a minute. Sorry, I've got a uh, portion of screen. Hang on, computer. It's all right. It's, it's a professional show. We're good. <laughs> Here we go. Portion of screen. Not that portion of the screen. That portion of the screen. What do we got there? Can you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me see what happens when I press play. Including your ad remover. Can you hear that? You're at, 30, you're at 39 seconds so far. Nope. Oh. Nope. I don't hear anything here. No audio. No audio there? Nope, share system audio. Hey, what? Where you go back? What are you doing there? <laughs> oh, we were going. Yes, I Yes, you're having as much success as I did. Yeah. How do I? What have I, I got? Twenty-first century problems. We're definitely upholding our production value. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, next I'm news item. Smile. <laughs> okay. Now I can't even get back to Zoom. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, um. Anyway, I posted the link to the video actually in the chat, so um, maybe it'll flash by on the screen briefly, but uh, anybody that's on the YouTube chat will get the link and they can directly link to it and play it themselves. Oh, no, I can't get out of this. How do I get out of that? I can't get my Zoom back. Oh, you can probably put that in the show notes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll make sure it gets put in the show notes. Oh, now my Zoom's all messed up. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Mark, Mark, how's the... Um magazine project oh uh kind of on standby at the moment ron is uh, run into some uh uh external issues that's slowing him down a lot so i am uh learning how to do desktop publishing so i can put the thing together so we are we <laughs> well, are on a small hiatus so anyway don't use um i do not encourage you to use home publisher by tandy it's very very slow very slow. Okay. No, I was. I, that wasn't yeah. even my top uh, fifteen choice. Are you? Um, you're using the uh, the shoestring publisher from uh, Rainbow, right? That's right. Yeah. Script yeah. Set. Come on. Yes. Script set. Home, uh, home publisher. Uh, no, that's just there. a little too little little too uh, uh, no. retro. Telewriter sixty four. Bill Purse. Bill yeah, Purse. I, I can. I, yeah. And they can't play a YouTube video. <laughs> I got color script set on cartridge. 
Ah, oh, that's what we um, I got to But hey, Mark, I, I, did, I did get that new Amiga magazine for research. And um, it's published by somebody called APC and TCP in Germany. So I guess I'm sure there are better U.S.-based options than uh, having having Rainbow published in Germany. But if you want to know who it is, just let me know. Oh, did you did you put that on your expense account or Coco Talk expense account? <laughs> yes, I did. I want to get that get that money back. Uh, checks in the mail. At least that's what they tell me all the time. Anyway, if I can get the share back here, I'll finish off the news here quick. Have you? I, I had to quit uh, Zoom. Right, and then, am I stealing share? Or are you? Uh, no, be, Curtis, you should be able to take it now. Okay. Okay. Is it uh, showing up there? Yep. 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 Okay, I'll just fast forward a little bit here. Basically, this is, um, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, sorry. It's uh, Noriko Mayagami. I know she's been on the Facebook group lately, and she was asking about, like, the Colossal Cave Adventure port for the Coco, and <laughs> she's been reviewing uh, text adventure games, and she's done, like, Racket 2, and she's done uh, Bedlam and a few others, too, and some Model 1 ones, and then and she's been like, doing the Coco one, so this was her one that she just released this week or about a week ago of uh, Pyramid 2000 on the Coco, and she has a bit of an explanation of the history. And then she goes through an action, does a complete playthrough of the actual game itself, you know, kind of reading it out on the screen and kind of explaining, you know, the logic between behind some of her moves and stuff. So it's a pretty, pretty cool review of a fairly complex game. So I put the link to that one into the sh two. Uh, this is a, a preview uh, advertisement for uh, Cloud9 uh, with the Triad Plus and, and Protector Plus, which is a two meg upgrade that uh, he's bringing out for the fest. And he's got like some pictures of you know the assembly line. And he actually had some pretty cool videos of actually doing some of the cutting of the wood and stuff for the actual stencils, et cetera. Um, and he's also selling, uh, we're gonna be selling the 512K and 2048K uh, Color Computer 3 badges that you can replace on the front of your coat as well. So that's cool and something to look forward to at the fest. He also mentioned there's going to be some other products coming out of the fest too. This isn't the only one. This is the one he kind of announced last year. Now it's actually will be on sale. So. Is to, is uh, has Ed replied to my? I posted a, a, a comment in that about those memory to find out whether it was going to be compatible with the Gimme X. I wonder whether Ed's replied to that yet. Uh, oh yeah, like he it. has. Yeah, there we go. Get a hold of one of Mark's Says expansions. I'll get. I have to get a hold of one of Mark's new expansions, but wouldn't imagine will be a problem to support it. Good, cool, okay, yeah, nice. Yeah, the one thing we all want to know is how is Mark um, allowing Sierra games to to run kind of automatically without any problems on that? Well, you mentioned something about a single poke, I know. Um, the other thing is too, like the Sierra games, the reason they don't work is because all the memory upgrades up till now have been based on the Disto reference. And what that did is it added two extra bits to your MMU registers to increase it from 6 bits to 8 bits, so you can go from 512K to 2 meg. <coughs> now, the problem was those were write-only bits, which means you could write to it and say, you know, pick a bank up in 1 meg or 2 meg just fine. But if you tried to read them back to figure out what I have mapped in right at the moment, it only returned the lower 6 bits. The other bits were always 0. So it returned the wrong memory locations. And uh, the Sierra games did that. They actually wrote, you know, an 8-bit value and then tried to read back a 6-bit value. So if you're video RAM and stuff is up in the upper part past 512K, you're getting bad results. And then the game thinks it's doing something with memory over here and it's really doing 
completely different memory over here. So of course it didn't work. So I'm suspecting, Oops. I haven't talked to Mark about this, but I'm suspecting that he's actually got those two extra bits, both read and write. What's the purpose of a write only? Is that like a, like a, a firmware thing or something? Is it or? Well, when Disto did it back in the nineties, I think it was just to do it cheap because <laughs> the dad board and the memory upgrades back then were like a couple hundred dollars and huge. I mean, what can it did and everything else. So, I, I, I mean, read only I can understand, but but I mean, what's the point of write only if you, if you write to it and you can't read from it? Why write to anything that you can't well, read from? You have to write to be able to swap in which banks you were actually mapping into the 64k workspace on the 6809, which is why you have that dat board in the first place. So it basically it's just ghosting these extra two bits on top of the five that, or the six bits that are coming from the gimme itself, because the gimme only does six bits internally. There's no way to swap yeah. until the gimme acts. So flipping, flipping switches, you just can't read what the switches are. Yeah. Okay. Right. okay. You, have, right. you have to keep a, a separate byte that keeps the actual state and then refer yeah. to it. Right. Nitrous 9 itself actually does keep track of all this stuff on its own and kind of did already uh, just by fluke, I guess, or the way they designed it. So actually, I mean, it, it keeps track of some of the stuff on its own, but King's Quest Sierra games actually cheated. They don't go through the operating system to figure out what's mapped in at a particular time. It actually reads the MMU registers directly. And that's where the problem came in. So I'm suspecting what Mark's doing is he's actually got it doing read and write. So that way it reads it back and it's just fine. I don't know if that's the accurate description of how it works. So we'll have to talk to Mark about that. But Well, actually, actually as far as the gimme goes and uh, the early um, uh, upgrades that were beyond 512, the problem was the gimme is in a lot of cases on the earlier versions would actually give out the actual upper two bits, but they would always be zero. And then when you had another memory management unit in there and it's trying to put its two bits on the bus, they were conflict, uh, conflicting with the early gimmies. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, and welcome, Steve. It's <laughs> <laughs> not in here. <laughs> yeah. So the, the spec from Tandy was, is that um, when, as a programmer, uh, we would treat the whole thing as a write only, even though, uh, some of the gimmies did accurately do a read back on the bits. Okay, because I know I know the Sierra ones. I've looked at the code, and they actually did read the MMU registers directly, which and, was a uh, no no. Yeah, because especially in the case of the Disto, because those two extra bits were write only by hardware design, mm -hmm. probably to keep costs down or what. I'm not sure. Or well, it, 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 yeah, the, the main reason for it is uh, the uh, having bits conflicting from one device and and the gimme. Oh, okay. So yeah. what does that mean for this new memory upgrade? Is that conflict going to still exist or did he find a way around it? Uh, as I, I said, it was the early gimmies in the design. I don't think it came through on the final where uh, it put those two bits on to the bus. So the 87 gimme overcame it, yeah? Well, I, uh, I have to admit, my first gimme was a, a letter C. I think production, first production was D, and then the 87 was known as E, if okay. I'm remembering correctly. Okay. So, yeah, so it's pre-production gimme, maybe? Yeah. Pre-productions okay. were definitely throwing all eight bits on the bus. Hmm. Okay. But it does sound like Marcus has fixed it in whichever method he's, he's done. Yeah. Um, so it's that's... probably the same way that Richard fixed his. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Richard gives you a physical switch, and uh, we've got a poke from what you were saying earlier yeah, for Cloud Nine. Or something like that. 
Yeah, so there's a way to tell the hardware to basically fake Bing 512 briefly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, cool. I just wanted to mention that. And like I said, cool. he's also got some cool videos on, on and some photos <coughs> of the production process and stuff and some cables he's bringing. He's got drive wire cables and stuff manufactured for the show already. So, so it's, a, it, it's fair to say that the Gimme X will solve this issue at the, at the Gimme level. I would think so because I mean now then since you have access to all eight bits right in the chip, right? Then it's, it should be a lot easier than having to do these little hacked add-ons and worrying about bus contention and everything else. So yeah, I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. By the way, uh, speaking of those pre-production gimmies uh, like C, oh, you think the D versions had sparkles? You should have seen the C. <laughs> that was part of the explosion <laughs> routine, I think, for the games, wasn't it? <laughs> oh. Uh, Speaking of sparkles, Curtis, uh, are, you have plans. Uh, you probably haven't done it yet, but you have plans to implement that VDG uh, issue on, on nitrous suicide. Yeah, actually, effects grafter of true. The thing is, uh, back in probably the 1.2 days, we solved that because we put palette switching. Basically, we'd queue up palette switching for the different windows if you change your palette. And then the clock driver would sync it onto a V-sync. So it would always you know, wait until it's in the, you know, the border blanking part switch the pallets then because that eliminates the problem. Um, later versions of Nitrous 9 after it went from commercial to uh, you know open open source, uh, for some reason that got removed. Maybe it was when they were fiddling with some of the clock stuff when they're doing the clock clock two stuff when they split it up. It looks like it's back to doing it the original old way, which means it's not time to the V-Sync. So we have to fix that and that should fix both the VDG and the grafter because they both exhibit that problem. Okay. Um, on certain games and stuff. So, um, yeah, we kind of know what to fix, but we have to kind of go through the whole clock two thing and hardware clocks and everything else to figure out exactly where it's going to be done. But we have figured out what it's what's causing it. It's just basically because it's back to the old method. That, but then again, if you wait long enough, will the Gimme X just <laughs> take the problem away? Uh, theoretically, it could, I guess, if it uh, if it's driving the the video signal, which it is, because it's a VGA output as well. So, yeah. So, Probably could, but uh, I mean, I guess Nitrous Nine we'll has to, to fix it. run on things other than the Gimme X. Can't Correct. You can have that, so. Yeah, that's true. Okay. There's I'm not enough. That one for a bit. Go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, Curtis, there's not enough hours in your day to support that much stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm still supposed to be working on Coco VJ stuff for level one, too. So. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, I, I'm not aware of who this is, Angelo Coelho? But he's posting up, he's, he's selling off a whole bunch of retro stuff, including a bunch of Coco stuff. And he's got a complete list down here. I probably can't read it on the screen here, but he's got like Odyssey 2 stuff and Intellivision, Atari, K-Pros, S100 bus stuff, Max, MSXs. And he's got some TDP 100 with uh, complete with manuals, Coco 3 in a box, Coco 1 in a box, uh, Coco games, some joysticks, some disk drives. I know some people were asking about disk drives, like real ones, and he's got three or four at least that he was listing, he got some dual drive systems, single drive systems, etc. So he's got this huge stuff and it's on Facebook. I'll uh, just copy the link over to the chat here so you guys can see it briefly flash by on the screen here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a huge list of stuff. If you're into retro collecting of any sort, not even just Coco, there's just a ton of stuff there. So if you're interested in that, I definitely would get a contact with him. Looks like he sold a lot of the, he had a, a, about four or five Coco threes yep. that he was uh, talking about at first and i think you only saw one in that list then so it looks like you sold most of those already yeah 
And here's uh, from uh, Mark. He was mentioning some, or I was mentioning some of the cables and stuff he's got here. So he's got some of his VGA cables. He's got some of his drive wire cables. He's got mini flashes in production, the Triad Plus stuff. So he just had a bunch of pictures there, including some of the manufacturing uh, pictures of it actually being made too, which is just kind of interesting from a, you know, figuring how things are done standpoint. And that's about all the news. I will end off on this one here, if I can find it again. And this will be a, kind of a cue in into the uh, game on sequence for uh, Nick. So if you want to play the intro, I'll let Nick take it away from here and stop. moment i'm not hearing audio there yeah i didn't hear that either okay let's try that again <laughs> <laughs> Stop share so that we can share the other thing. So, Nick, did you want to take away on that, or? Well, basically, this is just a continuation from last week when I was talking about. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> about um, this is why you fit into the show so well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I was talking something about um, writing a program whereby we can take a, a standard Coco 1 and 2 P-Mode 3 game and alter the four colours on a Coco 3. You can alter the four colours used in those P-Mode 3 games so you can enhance the game itself with better colours. And I think my example was, um, I don't know if you can bring up the web page that you had up there before. Um, my example was with Puyan. Uh, anyone who's played the uh, Coco 1 and 2 version, well, it was a Coco 1 and 2 version of Puyan. You had things like a, uh, what was it, a magenta skies or and weird, weird colours because of the, the, the choice of colours that uh, are available on a 6847 VDG. It doesn't really give you uh, the chance to change the colors so you could change the four colors prior to running the program to four better colors uh, and then run the program and it looks a hell of a lot better so what I've done is I've written a basic program like a menu system so that you can actually copy your P mode 3 games and what I've done is I've, I've, I've chosen a um, couple of games that I, I uh, like P-Mode 3 ones from the Coco 1 and 2, copied them to the disk and written a basic program which acts as a menu, uh, whereby you can just menu select that game and then it asks you, do you want to change the colors? Uh, and you can actually modify the basic program and put the, the, the modified colors into, oh, I explained it all on the website anyway, you 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 just you des you set the colors and then the program can then switch to those colors prior to running the program you also have the option to 
choose uh, the higher Coco 3 clock speed for any games which are a bit bit slow normally, you can speed them up. There's the web page finally come up. So uh, I, 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 um, I wrote the program and I did a website just to explain it all. So you can see in the uh, in the very top. Well, there's some examples of what we can do. Okay. But in the I'll very top, you, Nick. you just go ahead and just tell me where okay. I'm going to. Yeah, in the, <laughs> on the, on the top right there, you can see that's the menu itself, and um, they're the programs that I, I've chosen as in my favourites. Um, on the left, you choose the game you want to play, uh, and then when you choose the game, you can then choose whether you want to run in high speed mode. Some games are unplayable in high speed, so just say no if they, if they um, are no good at that extra speed. But some games are a bit sluggish, so on a Coco 3, you can bump up the speed. You can choose whether you want the new selected colors that you've chosen or just go to the defaults if you want to play the game in its old P mode 3 modes. And then I've even got support in there if you have an RGB monitor or a composite monitor on a Coco 3. And it can, it, the, the colors that you choose will be RGB colors, but the program will convert those RGB colors to composite using um, Eric Gavrilak's um, uh, RGB to composite table conversion. And it does a reasonably good job as well. Um, where to, to add things, list uh, games to the list, it's just a basic program. And there's a whole bunch of data lines uh, whereby you put the information for each game. Each line represents one of the games. And you can put the full name of the game, the file name that's used to run the game, and then the four replacement RGB value, values that you want to use. So that you can see in the top line there, the game is called Lunar Rover Patrol. So it displays the full name. The next... Uh, entry in the data line is the actual file name that is on the disk that it loads it from and then it sets the palettes the rgb palettes to those four colors instead of the standard coco 3 ones uh, and then below that are just a few uh, screen examples you can see the lunar rover patrol on the left you see the original color scheme which isn't too bad but the thing is the game is called lunar rover patrol so this is representing the moon so since when did the moon have a blue sky and green <laughs> mountains well, i thought well we can we could correct that now so i the alternate color set now on the right has a black sky and a grayer black um, mountains and the brown ground so that, uh, as I say in the little line down there, change those colors and make the moon great again. So <laughs> you can do things time like time. that. And if you look the second example, Puyan, on the left is the original um, color set. And pink sky and a blue tree. I mean, crikey. I mean, what, what, what was the program of smoking, honestly? <laughs> a game like this could have been done in the other mode that the that the Coco One and Two had, the one with, with the green the green borders. It had a better choice of colours to suit this game. Now, why they chose the buff 
uh, screen mode. I don't know. I don't know if Steve Bjorg has any has any background information from uh, DataSoft. But, it was the magic uh, mushrooms they were taking when they did it. Well, they must have been. But <laughs> I thought, well, we can we can uh, change the colours at least to something closer to what the original game was meant to be. And you can see on the right there, I've got a blue sky and a green tree, the way it should have been. So you can improve. And now I've got a few examples just there on the screen that you can do. And all up, I think there's what ten or so games I. I just selected my favorite games. Really good. Yeah, so it makes a big difference. But this, of course, only works on a Coco 3, so where you can redefine the colors and you can choose a higher clock, clock rate. Hopefully, I'm hoping that um, someone with a Coco, uh, uh, what do you call it, Coco VGA, will then modify this program to make it also support the Coco VGA colors as well because that has more colors to choose from, although you'll only be able to change four colors because that's that's all that P-Mode 4 use, up P-Mode 3 uses anyway. But you can you can use a lot more shades of, of, of the colors anyway. So that's there available for anyone who wants to, who has a Coco VGA and can do it. I don't have a Coco VGA, so I, I can't do it. That's the program. It's uh, from the very top of the web of this web page. You can download a, a DSK there called uh, Game Menu. Uh, a DSK, download it, and uh, you can run it on a, a real Coco Three or uh, an emulator even, and uh, play the games and 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 uh, change the colours to something, well, something a lot better than what they were. <laughs> What will happen if you try and run it now on a Coco One with a with a Coco VGA? Uh, nothing. Um, it'll yeah, the way you and... set palettes on the Coco VGA is completely different than how you do it on a Coco Three. Yeah, it's you completely have to set up like different. A frame buffer, and then you have to sync it to a sixty hertz sync, and then you have to pop in some stuff on an even five twelve byte boundary programming the VGA chip because basically it's ghosting itself on top of the chip. Seeing if you're doing any reading and writing in a certain area, you have to do an unlock code, which is a sequence of bytes in a certain order. It's a, it, it's a lot more complicated, yeah. 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 But on the other end, it does give you 512 colors to pick from instead of only 64, so you can actually get more subtly shaded stuff than you can even on the Coco 3. Yeah. Mind yeah, you, I think 64 is probably enough for, for a full-color game anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it'd be good for people who have a, a, a Coco 1 and 2 with a Coco VGA at least. They could change some of those garish colors that you, that we've seen on a, a lot of the PMO 3 games. Luckily, I guess most games that came out on the Coco 1 and 2 actually used PMO 4 and the artifacting. So this program is only for games that use the PMO 3, um, it, it doesn't change the artifacting games they uh, as as they were. So yeah. basically, to get it working on a Coco One with a with a, a Coco VGA would be a rewrite of the program, basically. Oh, not, or, or not, not of the of whole it. program. The, the part yeah, that yep. where, where you change the color. I mean, on the Coco Three, you have uh, the palette command. You can just change palette colors zero to to three by just saying palette zero. And then a number, you know, the color number. Well, on the Coco VJ, it sounds like it's a little bit more involved in that. So whatever it requires, then you just change the area of the code where it it, it sets those the color colors. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah. I don't know how it's done. That, that's all. Otherwise, the rest of the program can stay the same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, the high speed mode won't work on the 
Coco one and two, uh, unless Ed comes out and speed, you know, adds some sort of a speed up mod, whatever, and then and, can, and this program would need to be modified for that. But as is, you can just run it in the normal speed. Well, you could still do the poke six five four nine five comma zero for for uh, that's only speed. for basic. It only speeds programs. up ROM though. Yeah. Ah, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Won't, won't do okay. Better. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, gotcha. most games that were written for the Coco One and Two, uh, they were written for that slower speed, so they're not too bad. Uh, there's there's just a few where the the game's a bit sluggish and could do with a bit extra speed, and on the Coco Three, you can just you know clock up to the higher speed and and make up for it i mean one of my favorite games uh which i've highlighted on the screen they're called the touchstone the touchstone uh that's a great game that but yeah it's just a little bit slow and not too bad but i always run that in the high speed mode it's just so much better but there's other games there where you go to high speed mode and um you just can't play it it's just way too fast it's like watching uh, Stevie try to play Popstar past level two type thing. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. That's... Now, I will throw in one extra thing here. Um, one possibility to get some speed up on a Coco 1 and 2, because obviously the, the poke only speeds up ROM, is if you have a 6309 in there, we could probably put a loader in, and this won't work on all games depending if they use interrupts or not. But if they don't, it's just raw machine code, then you should be able to kick it into native mode and get it not as yeah. much of a jump as a Coco 3 would get, but you should be able to get a 10 to 15% speed increase, which might help yeah. some of these other games like Touchstone or Gantlet or uh, Marble Madness or something like that. And, uh, would you have to patch the game itself? I don't know if you can do a, a poke before loading the program. It'd have to be the game patching. Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, if you load the entire game in and if it's self-contained, <coughs> then you could probably just set the native mode at that point. Because it will screw up disk access a bit if you're running on a disk drive because the yeah. NMI now is pushing an extra register in the stack, which basic doesn't have a clue is happening. But if you load it in first and then you do some little preloader thing that uh, kicks native mode in on quite a few of the games, it should work fine. Right, yeah. So Bill Pierce has a question. He says, doesn't the Coco VGA allow the use of the speed-up poke? No. Uh, not not, not as is. Because no. then you have to speed up the SAM not, and you have to speed up RAM and everything else. So right, yeah, not the not the six five four nine seven. Six five four nine five works fine, but that works on a Coco anyway. Um, yeah, that's the four nine seven. We we, tr we tried it a couple of weeks ago on my my Coco one there, and it uh, even with with the six five four nine seven still scrambled the VGA. So, yeah, because the RAM refresh gets fried, not just the video. Yeah, okay. yep, 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 yeah. Right. Thanks for the clarification. So no, that's the, what's been the, keeping me and Curtis busy uh, the last week. <laughs> yeah, well, both of us are supposed to be working on our big projects, Guns. That's right. Respectively. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's one thing writing this program, but then we spent all this time trying to find what the best four colors are. <laughs> yeah, we were even arguing over what games to include on this first batch, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as if you can change these colors in real time once the game starts. So you've got to sort of set them beforehand and then try it and think, oh, gee, that looks terrible. Then <laughs> back to the start you go. So yeah. anyway, so uh, those games on the list have already had their hours of testing and and uh, <laughs> experimenting with colors. And uh, they're, they're 
our favorite or my favorites. <laughs> yeah, more more Nick's favorites. He overrode me on a few. That's there. right. Yeah, means, yeah. It just means he's wrong, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone can change it. You can see by the basic program. You don't like certain colors. Well, just bring up the basic program and edit the data lines. They're the four and, colors. And listed. to be honest, I would like to see what some of you guys would come up with. I mean, this was this is our personal base, yeah. and and also you know, we only did a certain number of games. So if you guys want to do some other games and give us some suggestions, we can show them on a later show. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you might decide to change the 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 the, uh, the moon background to purple. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> or a nice, I, I, think, pink. I yeah. think that the uh, lunar rover patrol looks excellent. I mean, that's what I would expect. <laughs> well, it's a bit yeah. more realistic than the blue sky and green mountains on the yeah. moon. And that's that's because yeah. I picked those colors, not Nick. Just to let you. Know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it even, you, it even looks. It even looks a lot better too because the the, the border is different color to the actual moon. It's, well, I mean, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we can't change that border. Depending on whether you're in uh, the green or the white screen mode, the green border or the white border is fixed. You can't reprogram yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is is the Gimme X actually doing a change on that? Or are we going to be allowed to change the VDG mode? border colors because that'd be kind of nice if that was on there too but i have no idea if it is yeah you can on the on the coco vga so i don't see why you know why they wouldn't why ed wouldn't write that into the gimme well, that'd be nice and in the coco vga version of this then it could actually fix the border color to yeah well then you can nice. make it black so you don't see a bright border all the time yeah yeah you can yeah you can do that on the on the vga that's one of the things i really like about it as you can see in the background on on mine i'm um, um that's normally a green border screen and i've got a black border running on it and then one other thing I wanted to mention, too, some of the P-Mode 4 artifacting games were designed as if they were P-Mode 3, because basically you can treat P-Mode 4 as two different ways. You can treat it as a 128 by 192 4 color, same as P-Mode 3 is, and then you just have you know, wider pixels, but they're always fixed colors, you know, black, red, blue, and, and white. But uh, some games also did it where they kind of combined the two. They did artifact colors, plus they did the fine detail. Donkey King is a famous example of that, because he has, you know, the color for the girders is blue, and the color for the ape is orange. But if you look at the barrels, they're actually right down to the 256 by 1822 color. So you get a little bit of fraying on the edges. The ones that don't do that, the ones that do quote unquote pure colors without the uh, detail, you could re or do a couple of pokes to change those back to a P mode 3 and then use the palette settings we're doing here. So you could reprogram some of those to have different colors too. But the games would require a couple of poke patches on top of the stuff we're doing here with palettes. Yeah, I think that would work on a lot of the basic games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically what I used to do to cheat to do artifacting without having to do any calculations, I'd just do P mode 4, 1, screen 1, 1, which would kick it onto the screen so it's on P mode 4, and then immediately do a P mode 3, 1, so the basic thinks it's doing P mode 3. I left the screen command out so it stays in P mode 4, but then you get full four fully controlled colors with black, yeah. blue, orange, and, and white. I think some of those P mode 4 games, you, you could press like the clear key, like. Um... Yeah, and, Cash uh, Man and Time Bad and a few others had it, or some oh, of the works too, mainly for the European right. market for PAL, right? Right, and Temple of Rom was one that had that. Yeah, so those you could actually set the palettes and then you just have to remember to hit that key to switch the mode on the game itself and then you'd get the new custom palettes. Right, and that's exactly what I did with the little Temple of Rom workaround I did uh, for uh, that at one point. Okay, that's it. Any cool. other game news? Yeah, how about Gunstar? 
Well, because I keep getting distracted by things like this, I, I, I yet. but now that this is over, I can get back to it. I've got a few ideas of things I need or want to do, so I'll get back onto that. But yeah, distraction is over. I'm back. <laughs> yes, qu quit distracting Nick, please. <laughs> hey, Ron Klein showed up. Hey, everybody. Not sure hey. if you can hear me. Yep, yep, we, we can hear you. Oh, we can. Well, we should, uh, we should, we could end the uh, the game on segment, and then we can roll into whatever Ron Klein was going to talk to us about today. Well, it's about the nitrous nine, so we can do the make this into oh, the, the we'll techie talk thing. So yeah, okay, yeah, do a core dump well, uh, intro core and dump. get into it. All right. <laughs> got the flush in there <laughs> i thought we got rid of the flush sound can't get rid of the flush well the thing is the original <laughs> graphics had a had this robot guy sitting down so yeah uh, steve, steve thought he looks like he's uh, he, he's on the uh, on the shitter he's not like not I decided, okay, well, we, it, it's a serious uh, subject uh, or segment. Let's, let's give it a more serious oh. look. So I got rid of the robot to some thinking-looking guy mm. there and just put Joey. the flusher on again. Yeah. I think the Probably joke is the that robots don't go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, they go to the, the, the oil change place, but anyway. <laughs> hey, I didn't write it. <laughs> anyway, the topic today... Um, and the reason I asked Ron to kind of guest on here, and we're kind of going to kill two birds with one stone. I didn't want to do the Nitrous Nine demo myself because there's there's not a ton of updates uh, that are visual. I mean, we added a couple of games, but mostly this is a maintenance release with a bunch of bug fixes to a bunch of things and and some additional features on certain utilities and stuff. So that's kind of boring to watch. But uh, Ron also did some updates for Coco Fest here for his Coco Pie Three project. Uh, including an auto update, and we got to test it uh, this morning when I issued the new uh, release because his Coco Pie 3 has a menu option that actually lets you download the uh, updates automatically and it automatically installs them, unzips them, puts them in the right spot, fires it up, and runs it. So, Ron, take it away. Unmute, Ron. Ron. <laughs> Sorry, geez. Okay. So, thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, so anyway, like Curtis said, he just, you know, him and Bill just released the latest uh, Nitrous 9. And um, with the latest version of Cocoa Pie, there's the menu option that he mentioned to download. What I can do, not in front of the pie, but I wonder if I can share a screen here. Um, yeah, because you got you have the video you made of it, and it hopefully will show up in better quality here than Facebook did with it. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. If somebody wants... Um, let me see here, because I can I can actually demo it on my machine, but I just don't know if I can screen share here. Uh, you can through Zoom. Oh, here we go. Yeah, desktop one, desktop two. Let me do this. Okay. You can select by window too, if that helps. Yeah, I see that. Let me know if you guys can see this. Yeah, it's I can there. see it. Certainly can. Okay, so I'm actually running this on my main Linux workstation. I have the same the same menu for the most part is compatible with anybody that's running Linux. Um, and has MAME installed. For the for the most part, there's only a few things that are Raspberry Pi specific. So a lot of this will work. So by default with the latest Cocoa Pie, 
um, we have a very simplified menu. There, there's a lot more options available, but the basic menu is what's the default now in this latest version. And if you go under the utilities menu, there's quite a few things here. And if you work your way down, there's a lot of options. You're gonna see one that says download latest Nitrous 9 ease of use image. All that a person has to do that has this latest release is take this option. It's gonna let them know that it's gonna download the latest release. We just gotta wait a few seconds here for the download. And if you already have it, it's just gonna overwrite the existing one. It kind of warns you to let you know because some people may copy more files to their ease of use image. And it's just good to know that um, you don't necessarily want to overwrite it. And once it downloads, it does the unpack, which you can see. From here, it takes you back to the utilities menu. If you go back to return to main menu, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the Tandy Color Computer 3 option that says HDB DOS with 6309 and Nitrous 9 ease of use beta. <coughs> it's going to go now. Hold on, because it's probably not sharing that screen. I'll back out of that so you guys can see this screen. Hold on one sec here. I'm gonna get out of that and I'm gonna share my desktop. That way you guys can see everything. Give me one sec. Okay, let me know when you see that. Yep. Yep. Okay, so now when I run it, you guys should hopefully see MAME come up. Certainly do. And then it goes no, it ahead and DOS automatically. DOS automatically. Yeah. I like the simulated uh, floppy noise. Well, that's that's MAME. MAME's had that in there now for um, for probably 10 releases, if not more. Did it stop making the clicking noise? Yeah, it's not right now. Oh, you mean the the audio popping? Yeah. The Raspberry Pi still does that a little bit with disk I.O. And I noticed it's really the floppy drive noise where the problem is regular audio doesn't seem to do it. So here's the latest um, ease of use, just like the other ones. You know, from here, you can hit the, your clear key or whatever you have mapped to that. And you, you know, you can bounce between the various um, uh, consoles. And then as you can see, the default in the Raspberry Pi, uh, the Cocoa Pi, is a two meg, you know, two mega RAM. So it's a pretty easy upgrade to go ahead and use this. Now I haven't had a chance to run any programs or anything in it yet, but I just wanted to show people um, what they can do with this latest version of Cocoa Pi. Very, very simple. Very simple to get into. And again, it's just a menu option away under the utilities. Now, the other thing too, for the for the people that have used um, the CocoaPie software previously, there's an option in here that says select default main menu. And you can see there's an advanced menu and a simple menu. If I choose the advanced menu, when I go back to the main menu, you're gonna see some of the other ones. You're gonna see the XROAR menu show up you're gonna see that there's a lot more options under the Coco 2 and Coco 3 menus. The reason we had the simplified menu, that was actually a suggestion from um, uh, from Mike Rowan, who has been doing some testing with it as well. And he, he felt that maybe overwhelming people right away with a lot of options might be um, a little much. So we, we've simplified things where you can get into most features of Color Computer 2 and 3 emulation with a simplified menu. 
Um, so anyone can toggle that option on or off if they want. Um, under utilities though, you're gonna see there's a lot of stuff here. Um, I didn't necessarily wanna turn this into a, um, a CocoPie 3 uh, demo, but the default now is Pi DriveWire for folks that are DriveWire fans. That is the default daemon, but your original Java DriveWire is still there. William Estelle's L-Wire is there. Um, the new Pi DriveWire has support for the MCX128 cartridge for those uh, MC10 folks. But the EMC, uh, the stock EMC server is still there too. So there's a lot of options here for folks that are um, that like using that type of uh, application. TCP Sir, this isn't a fork of Jim Brain's, um, basically a modem emulator. This actually can work with uh, the MAME emulation and even the um, the XWAR emulator for doing Telnet-based um, BBSing if you're not using something like uh, Pi DriveWire. But there's a lot of stuff in here. I plan on having a um, a demo of this or at least talk about it at Cocoa Fest. There's going to be some uh, seminars on Friday evening, I believe. And uh, I'll be speaking. I'm not exactly sure on the time just yet. I think some of the speaking events are about I'm sorry, it's not Cocoa Fest, it'd be Tandy Assembly. Um, I'll be doing some stuff there, but I'm also going to have the Cocoa Pie at Cocoa Fest here next weekend. And for folks that are interested in, in uh, seeing some of the features or if they have questions or if they bring an SD card to the show, I'd be happy to make a, a current copy of the image for them. Cool. And I also like the fact that you got, you actually took a Cocoa Pie 3 to actually add its own ease of use, like the simplified menu. So we're kind of in sync there with the ease of use thing, making it easier for people to- Yeah, I wanted it to be, uh, in fact, let me go back to, uh, oops. Oh yeah, here's where you can pick the different XWAR emulators. Um, let me go back and pick simplified menu. Now when I go back, there we go. And then there's the kiosk mode, which is kind of nice that at the show, I'll probably have this on. This actually cycles through a lot of the color computer cartridges and things. It, let, it basically has a two-minute um, delay in between switching cartridges. It's kind of a neat little thing for people that maybe go to a show and they want to just have a rolling demo of uh, of programs running on the you know on the Cocoa Pie as people walk by, things like that. So, how big of an SD card do you need for the image? I actually have it fitting in a um, a 16 gig image. Uh, because I've reduced some of the programs that are on there. In, in the previous versions, I had, you know, the whole uh, ultimate SDC ar uh, archive on there. But a lot of that stuff people can add themselves. It's very simple to do, uh, to copy files to it. There's a uh, there's Windows file sharing on it. There's a default share if people have it on a network to copy stuff to. Um, you can plug USB devices, uh, storage devices into a Raspberry Pi and you can copy files from there. Um, so I, I tried to eliminate some of those things to shrink the image up. And by the, when you do that, a 16 gig image, you compress it down. I think it's about a four or five gig download, which is still substantial for people, but it's about the best <laughs> I with everything, all the development tools and everything that that's on there. Um, from there though, I recommend, uh, probably a 32 gig would be the, you know, the smallest I would go just to leave yourself enough space. I have a 64 gig. I mean, SD card prices have come way down. So yeah, so 16 gig would be the minimum. Cool. 
Okay, so if we bring a 16 gig SD card, we can get a copy of your setup. Yes, absolutely. Be happy to Thanks. copy it for anybody that shows up. Uh, show the graphic. Well, because I'm not running on the Raspberry Pi, Ron, I can't. Oh, you can't? this on okay. my Linux workstation. Right. Um, if you have a way to share your screen, though. And oh, by the way, that's the other feature. So <clears throat> under the utilities menu, there's a um, there's an option here where I don't have it on this. It's not the Raspberry Pi, but basically, um, Ron did a great graphic image, um, like a logo for the menu system on the Raspberry Pi that you can actually run as a default. It's just kind of some eye candy. I'm not showing it here. It is on the um, available on the actual Raspberry Pi version of it, and I appreciate him. Um, coming up with the design you know ron's pretty talented with that and so i reached out to him and he he whipped something together pretty quick for me i don't know it was a couple months back i think and i was very excited to put it in there so i really appreciate that yeah we'll show it at the show yeah yep all right let me stop my share here so curtis yes thank you very much for making that um that static download available for use with this uh with this menu system and if anyone else is interested that doesn't have a Raspberry Pi, if they're interested in just seeing how this menu system works with the scripts, and if they do have MAME uh, on their Linux workstation or whatever, I, I'm happy to send them a copy of that stuff too. Okay, cool. Ease of use all the way around now. <laughs> Nick will be so happy. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats. Are you going to be at the show, Ron? caught me in mid drink. Yes, I will be at the show. I'll be arriving um, right after work on Friday. So I'll get there, I don't know, probably around four o'clock or so. Okay. Well, I, yeah, if I he wasn't going to be at the show, that would make him, that would make it hard for him to uh, make yeah. SD card images for people who brought their SD cards. Yes. <laughs> My question also is uh, maybe you could look at my installation. For some reason, the text in the background stays. And when I put that banner up, it's there in the background off to the side. Oh There's yeah, no... we'll, we'll take a look at it. Not a problem. Are you, I, it might be, um, yeah, we'll look at it. I just need to know, are you running a widescreen monitor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I've changed it, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll take a look at it. Maybe that's it. Okay. The other, other thing is some of the um, menu items for the Coco 3 don't work. Like the ease of use. Uh, even though I've downloaded the new version, it just crashes. So I'll, I'll show it to you. Oh, yeah, because I've had other people. Okay, yeah, we'll take, that's interesting. If anyone else is using that and has the same problem, let me know. But um, I haven't heard of that. So we'll take a look at it, though. All right. Watch out, you know, if, if things if things go a certain way, Ron Delvo might have lunch with you. <laughs> it's going to cost him big time, maybe more than lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we found that if we can make things work for Ron, they'll work for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Good bellwether. <laughs> He's our official beta tester. All right, cool. All right. We're ready for another commercial break? Yep, I think so. All right. The reading's growing stronger, Captain. Coming from a star system directly ahead. Coco Flares Make the trek To the place You belong Illinois 
Cocoa Fest, May 4th and 5th, 2019 in Lombard, Illinois. Make the trek. Touch the heron. Fascinating. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroke. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay Color Computer goodness. Gaming DVD today, gameplay head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. We now return you to Cocoa Talk. All right. Now, do, do, do Stevie's gameplay uh, DVDs, do they, uh, do they show any levels beyond level one? Oh, Not that I've seen. No, that's only <laughs> <what I'm laughs> <laughs> <laughs> What the hell is that? What is that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. I've seen it. <laughs> Poison. Is it saying poison? I thought it said poison. Yeah, it sounded really spooky. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that? I thought that was maybe the new poison tech commercial. Poison. I recognize that picture on your screen now, Ron. Yeah, David. <laughs> um, I so, thought that was awesome. That was on Show Us Your Color Computer. That's the the one the, the Coco that's running behind me right now the Coco one that's the same one that's oh, it. rubbing it in shot. and and you had a keyboard too oh uh, yeah 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 yep that was my first um well, it wasn't really a synthesizer it was an organ but it was <laughs> it was my first musical instrument with black and white notes on it yeah sorry it doesn't show up well but it's pretty cool I thought so what's was... the next segment <laughs> this topic. Uh, I have no idea. I've, I've, I've run out of my segments that I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was Steve you had a uh, topic? I, I, I have a Steve Glenn Glenn site. We we do we yeah. do have asked, actually Steve. We do have your discussion topic that came up on Facebook though about doing original games versus doing you know ports of games and transcodes etc. Sure. So did you want to take away on that one and just kind of explain what the question was and then we'll get into the discussion? Sure. Uh, this is more or less for people to chime in with their opinions on this. But one thing I've noticed is a lot of people are saying, gee, I want this game that plays on this computer on my computer. You know, it wouldn't be neat to see this or that. Or like um, uh, a lot of the talks were like, for example, the Mario Brothers game that was put on the Commodore 64 <laughs> that got uh, pulled and, and like that. But, you know, the thing is, if I'm sitting at home, in front of my emulators or my computers, I can just play the game there. Why do I need to see a version of that on the Coco? 
Now, a little background on it, back in the old days when Coco games were first coming out, we did have arcade translations show up on the home computer. And the reason for that is people want to play the game convenience of their own home. But now we're talking about comparing convenience of playing a game in your own home against playing the convenience of a game in your own home. If you get my drift. Oh, yeah, I think it's like bragging rights more than anything. Yeah. 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 Can pushing the envelope. Done? Yep. Yeah. Boy, that was a long discussion on the subject. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's like the short answer. Why did Tandy do that? You know, it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, wasn't the Nintendo Entertainment System more advanced than the C sixty four? So it'd be to see if you could emulate something more powerful on a machine that's yeah, it's kind of like our Donkey Kong powerful. port by Sockmaster. Yeah. You wanted to mm -hmm. see if you actually emulate the actual. Well, you know, something like uh, Mario Brothers is a little easier to emulate in the Commodore 64 than it is on the Coco because it does have tile graphics, uh, mm -hmm. scrolling, sprites, sprites uh, yep. sound chips. It's got a lot of the stuff that's kind of inside the Nintendo 64. Now, the yep. way each of them does their stuff is a little different. So, yeah, there is some special work on that that's required but in the case of the coco trying to do like a mario 64 if you notice that with some of my older games or my other games that came out especially for coco 3 i had to minimize the size of the graphics i was updating whether it be z89 uh super pitfall or uh, mine rescue or any of the games where i'm scrolling is you're updating the entire screen you can't update that much graphics memory all at once so it is yeah. definitely tough to do scrolling games yeah, Donkey Kong regular just Coco. what did he do with Donkey Kong? Uh, he had uh, just had to update the sprites the uh, his, static static screen right just yeah, update static the screen. screen and uh, yeah anything where it's a full scrolling screen that's a lot of memory to move mm-hmm yep yeah. now the one that did it there are some games that actually use the hardware scrolling feature too, like uh, Contras and Crystal City and stuff, but you're a bit limited to how smooth you can do it, and it takes a lot of memory. You're basically talking 512K minimum for those types of games. Well, that's also if you're doing it for Coco 3. 3, Coco yeah, exactly. 1 and 2, boy. Well, you got a 6K screen, screen, but you're still limited on what you can do. And, yeah. uh, and you're limited on speed. But, you know, but the real emphasis is, okay, why do we need it on a coco of course as somebody said bragging rights is one and i can yep. see that if somebody wants to sit down and put the effort in to create the thing because they're doing that but somebody just walking up on facebook and saying hey wouldn't it be neat to see blah 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 on the coco when you can play it on a perfectly good atari emulator or on main or whatever what yeah, yeah I, I just want to see it on the coco i'm going to me, that's just not enough of a reason to do the effort because some of the stuff, you know, to get the games running on the Coco actually is more of a Herculean effort than anything else. And I could just see the uh, time better spent on creating new titles, unique games, something that uh, nobody else has got. And not only that, but you can design a game that has the scrolling that everyone, you know, everyone wants to see, but you can design it in such a way so that the design is suited to the color computer better than trying to 
translate a program which was developed on another piece of hardware taking advantage of its features we're better off doing something fresh to utilize what we can do on the coco Gee, Nick, did you, you ever do that. anything like that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's, most, that's... most of my games were originals. I think I only did two ports or conversions or whatever, <laughs> Space Invaders and uh, Pac-Man. Both of those were um, static screen games. But mm -hmm. New titles and new software and, and new things on, on our old original hardware is a lot more appealing to me too. I'm totally with both of you on that. I, I'm I'm kind of in the mix of both camps there because the the seeing somebody take something like emulating the actual arcade Donkey Kong sound and all on a Coco Three. I mean, if you'd asked us that 20 years ago, we would all have said that's impossible. It just yeah. Can't up. So when somebody pulls off a technical feat like Sockmaster didn't actually gets it to work, mm -hmm. and yep. that that is impressive. It's not just bragging rights. It also gives me like I I got I grew up on Coco joysticks, so I'm used to those. If I played on a PC or an emulator or something, I don't have the same controls. That I'm used to, and it doesn't yeah. feel quite as good either. So I, I kind of like both. Mm -hmm. Sockmaster said he he's not really interested in, in an original game, so that's he has to do what what's interesting to him. Yeah, and the other thing is too. I mean, some people, and and I would count myself in this too. I mean, when I was younger, I was fairly creative. I wrote a lot of basic games that were originals, but as I got old, for some reason, the creativity seems to be gone. Like I'm much better taking somebody else's code and optimizing, like I'm doing with Nitro Stein or Rescue and Fractals, whatever. But I don't. I don't really have the creative juices anymore to come up with a completely original concept. I'm kind of jealous of people like Steve and Nick that can just, you know, pop out a new game concept, no problem type thing. Whereas I, I would have trouble doing that. I would might have a much easier time porting something or, or making a conversion of something than I would have after coming up with something original. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be making anything type thing. So for me, that's, that's kind of my compromise. Well, part of the problem for you, Curtis, is you've got this thing called life getting in your way. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, is that somewhere where sleep is too? I, I've, I've heard of that too, but I don't really know what it is. Well, when you were younger and you could do this stuff, it was your full-time job, right? Yeah. Yep, pretty much. But even, yeah, even you, before real life got in the way, though, my creativity was starting to go down. Like I, I couldn't come up with the original concepts as easily as I could in the past. So I don't know why that affected me I, that. I think I think people still have an emotional attachment to some of these old games like Donkey Kong and and, Mar and Super Mario Brothers and so when they see them it's kind of pulls a nostalgia string that a new game doesn't well so I have to admit when a... I get nostalgic I just take my Super NES plug it in hook it up to the TV and play the game yeah you know, I... <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> But it's Sometimes a double option of nostalgia if you actually do it on a Coco, because if that's a computer you grew up with, and now you're playing a game that didn't exist even back in the day. I mean, this is another thing, too. I think back in the day, it was much more important to get the ports, because to sell these machines, you needed to have clones of games that were on other systems that were really popular, or clones from the arcades. Otherwise, you couldn't sell it. If you had a bunch of really odd titles that nobody had ever heard of, they wouldn't have bought the machine. They said, there's no Space Invaders on a Coco. I'm going to go off and get a you know, Commodore 64, Atari 400, or whatever. Well, and they yeah, might that be excellent works. games, but nobody knows about them. Yeah, well, back in the day, too, Tandy, you know, wanted these, you know, like Rampage on the Coco. Why? Because parents came in the store because they're buying software so their kids wouldn't want to go to the arcade and play the arcade game. They'd better have them at home. Of course. But, yeah, but Steve, I, I think the problem is, is that that's in the Coco 3 era. In the Coco 1 and 2 era, Tandy licensed, what, four titles? 
So they weren't really pushing fat. They wanted clones too. Slay the nearest instead of centipede and, you know, space well, instead of space invaders. Cause they didn't want to pay the licensing fees. Exactly. That was the thing is Tandy wanted to make the whole kit caboodle. After a while, they started growing up and realizing that, uh, you know, 50% instead of a hundred percent of the, the sales is actually pretty good. If we've got a product that's selling four times more than what the other hundred percent were getting. You know, they're starting to re they started to realize that. Uh, a bigger pie. Yeah, I mean, Zaxxon originally was strictly sold by DataSoft, not by Tandy at all, in their stores, uh, because they wouldn't pay the price. They wanted some re they wanted to buy the game, I think, for about two or three dollars from us, and then sell it for forty dollars. And we said, no, you're going to buy it like any other store does and sell it. And what happened was, is we were showing it at, I believe it was Comdex. Comdex, yeah. And one of the big mucky mucks comes up and says, huh, why don't we have this? Barry Thompson got in a little bit of trouble because that was the first time that they had to buy a PC, you know, a computer game that wasn't part of their exclusive and their type of pricing structure which actually opened the door for other companies to come in after that yeah i mean i'll be the first to admit there are some original games on the coco that didn't appear anywhere else that are actually some of my favorite games of all time and i would include dungeons of yeah dungeons of Dagraph and grabber on the coco one and two for example and uh, Photon on the Coco 3, for example, are, are three titles that are, are some of my favorite games ever on any platform. So I, I like do appreciate the original, but I'm not capable of writing something like that myself. So I, I, my personal opinion is that both both apply. I, you, mm -hmm. It's great to have original stuff that you can go, the, only the Coco plays this. I mean, obviously an emulator means you can play it on pretty well any modern machine. Uh, but I also like the fact that if you're pushing the Coco hardware to the limits and you're showing a game that was thought to be impossible back in the day, but you're able to pull it off nowadays because everybody has learned new programming techniques, et cetera, then that's just as plausible and just as incredible and, and, and yeah. enticing to me. Yeah, but just to port a game over the Coco just shouldn't be done because, oh, I just like to see it on the Coco. No, I think it has to be like the technical challenge, like like mentioning yeah. Sockmaster wanted to see, can you pull off a Sprite engine that's duplicating the real hardware transcoding you know z80 directly over to 6809 and and, and the sound yeah, I mean, well. yeah he did an incredible job with that and of course i don't know how many months years he spent on the project no idea though donkey Kong remix came out rather quickly after but that was just a modification of the existing code and he's actually put it into arcade so actually we have a coco one that went to the arcade afterwards which i don't think too many other machines can claim mm-hmm the challenge thing is a big thing for me too you know as far as writing software is concerned limiting yourself to to to, to a nostalgic gear like our, like like for me it's the coco one is the ultimate nostalgia for me because it's when i learned assembly language and, and whatnot on and setting a challenge to do new things that are useful today on the old hardware is something that i find very appealing mm -hmm. another place where you may want to do a, a a simple game translation from say arcade or another system is also when you're putting out software that's supposed to be educational in nature in other words it gives a person an idea of what they're going to have before they actually start playing around with the code from the lesson 
So those also a good application for that too. Yeah. Yeah, you're not totally working uh, the entire design from scratch and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You have one last issue to cloud the person's mind as you're going through and trying to teach them on the subject. Yeah. And then another thing kind of along the same lines is that um, you you may be capable of coming up with the original concept for a game, but say you're not an artist or you're not a musician, like coming up with your own music to play in the game, even just as an intro or coming up with the graphics so they look good. Sometimes that's something you're just not capable of doing. So you know, if you're doing an existing, a port of existing game, you have some base graphics, you might have to translate them somewhat to fit on the Coco, but you, you don't have to worry about that creative process on top of it because not all of us are artists and not all of us are musicians. And you've mentioned yourself, Steve, many times that you hired people to actually specifically do the graphics and the, uh, the music and stuff. Cause you, you were the programmer, not the, and the originator of the game concept, but not the, not the artist. Yeah. I was game designer and programmer, but uh, still, you know, the thing is uh, don't have to work in a vacuum. You can get people together and each yeah. person brings their talents, pulls them in and create something fantastic. I don't know if this Absolutely. ties into what yeah. Curtis just said, but when you have when you're doing a game like Donkey Kong or Mario, it gives the end user a baseline on which to like what to compare, like what to look for when they're playing the game. And they say, "Oh yeah, this is doing this the same as this game. This is a really cool technical feat," as opposed to an original game where you're not really you don't have that sort of comparison that you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, which is like it's. I don't know if I'm explaining to myself, but it gives it gives the end user sort of a technical basis of comparison to see like right. what's being done on the Coco. It could be used. Uh, the concept could be used for an original game. Nick is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but you have this frame of reference that wow, it's doing what this game was able to do. That's really cool. And you well, you create an you create an original game that has features that are familiar like whether it's a scrolling effect you know wow this is a good game and it's got scrolling that's just like mario you know you can compare them that way yeah but still be an original yeah. game or like background digitized music or parallax scrolling yeah or, you know. yeah if you look at uh, a lot of the uh coco so-called clones of arcade games a lot of those were actually similar but they had a lot of original content like back when I played Pitfall 2 and I wanted a Nintendo and didn't have one, I was kind of like, wow, this is a lot like, you know, this is really good. This is awesome. So, I don't know. Well, I had a question for, for Steve related to to programming. Um, because there was a, uh, Roger Taylor was having difficulty uh, putting, uh, getting, getting sound to work from your games on uh, his uh, projects. And then he he figured it out. But what 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 did you do with Coco Three Sound that was different, I guess, than other games? Uh, nothing. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put a name to that quick smile. Well, no, no. Oh, well, okay, let's put this way. Coco Three has a programmable timer. Programmable timer allows you to stop what you're doing <coughs> at a predetermined time, which was for me about. 6,000 times a second, it would stop what the Coco's doing. And I would change the sound port, which is a six bit analog, I mean, digital to analog converter. So I'm putting a number out there 6,000 times a second. And what you have to do, there's other things that use that sound port, such as the joysticks. To read the joystick, you have to change that same number. But if you change it and you don't turn off the sound going out of the system, 
you will get a click or noise. Mm. The problem is these emulators don't understand the fact that when you turn off the sound port, you also have to have it where the the level of that was sitting there on the audio port will hang there because they have a capacitor. So mm -hmm. when you shut off the audio, the same where you are in the sound, as far as going up and down, will hang there for just a moment. And then you read the joystick, you turn and you, and you put back the original number it was there, and then you turn the sound back on. Well, as I said, the emulators don't emulate that part of the hardware correctly, and you get a nice little buzz. Now, uh, I read the joysticks on the um, 60 hertz interrupt, so you get a nice 60 hertz click in the audio. So these these emulators need to be updated to, to, you be, got to take it. advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Well, Roger I'm not, Taylor I'm figured out how to do it. Yeah, not, not everybody knows how to do it. It's just in the case of the Coco 3, we're doing more with the audio than we did with the Coco 1 and 2, but it did exist in the original emulators of the uh, Coco 1 and 2. Yeah, and they Roger, fixed that. Since Rogers is um, FPGA, uh, so it's kind of hardware, he, he probably had to make it hold over the value that's being output. Exactly. When you turn off the audio, you have to slowly change what's on there because there's a capacitor that's draining. And, yeah, yeah uh, basically, basically got to emulate a low-pass filter on it. You got it. You got it. So that's that's that reason something... you work on this stuff. You got to be both a hardware and software engineer. So will Which will MAME be... be ever uh, will MAME ever be able to to have that fixed? Uh, well, working the on question it. is, could it be fixed? Yes. Will the people oh. doing it worry about it? No. So you yeah. bring up, oh. so this is Ron, you bring up a good point. I um, I have submitted, you know, many bug reports to uh, the main tester site on for myself that I found and, and <laughs> others. Not that they're always willing or able to do it. They have to have people that can actually, um, you know, program the, the Coco drivers, but if we can get a, a demo program, maybe like a test program that shows how it works in real hardware versus, and I can run it on an emulator and we can do a small write-up, I am happy to submit and follow up on seeing what we can do. Because anytime- yeah, so Well, the, the problem you, with- You're talking uh, about Rampage with, and uh, Super Pitfall, you know, the those are the main ones. Yep. Yeah, the problem with MAME is the people that are the core developers they have their interests, which are, we want to emulate everything. And then there's, you know, they also want to emulate the machines they used. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones they'd like to focus on. And unless you can get someone to adopt a particular machine and they accept that person into their little club, then you're kind of stuck. Yeah, James, I um, I hear you, and I do work with um, I I do have some relationships with two or three developers that are more Cocoa based. Tim Linder, one of them. Uh, well, actually, no, Tim is one. Well, but I don't know how active he is all the time. There's a couple um that I deal with that are more active. Tim's done quite a bit, and um, well, Tim had the the uh, patch for the speech and sound pack. Oh. Uh, 
good lord that was over 10 years ago and it just made it in what a year ago yeah tim tim's done a few things with regards to that i think he even was part of the uh, gmc audio support i think he's done other fixes um but there's other developers there's two there's two or three others um that are in the main uh, development community that are pretty receptive to stuff i i know i've submitted probably in the last two and a half years six to seven and they've taken care of every one of them so far so um i feel I'm not saying it's going to happen with this, but you know, unless you at least go through the effort of trying to get it submitted, it's yep. never going to get fixed. And I would rather, I don't mind submitting stuff on people's behalf. I, you know, I, I may have to ask a few questions and um, put something together where I can show the different examples of real hardware versus what it's doing in emulation. But I'm happy to do that if someone wants to provide me some of the additional information. I well, need. yeah, uh, I, you we can ask that. Roger. He's he's already kind of worked through the the problem and, and at least fixed it on an FPGA level. Okay. Um, the other the other thing is who, Curtis? Who is who's the team working on VCC? Oh, the OVCC one. Yeah. Or the regular that, VCC. There's two different. Uh well. Anyway, whenever VCC gets updated, I mean that that's um, you know getting Rampage and Super Pitfall to work with audio is, I would think would should be a priority. Walt Walterson Body is the guy doing the OBCC, right. but uh, there's some yeah, but there's other people that are working on the actual uh, uh, I guess updating VCC as well, but they haven't been very vocal about it. Yeah, they there's a project on uh, GitHub. Um, you know, it, it, as far as MAME goes, having a relationship with them, someone that, you know, they know, I think would really, really would help because, you know, you know, you've got, you know, thousands of people that they don't know that just come in and say, hey, this doesn't work, you know, and it's. They're overloaded yeah. with uh, complaints, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah, they and and not all of them are even valid. So it, it's it, I'm sure having someone that uh, can show actually here's the problem and here's how someone else fixed it or you know what the underlying issue is or something like that. I think that would really help. Right. Yeah, let me see what I can do. You said Super Pitfall is one of them. That's is it no sound or is it just incorrect? Zero sound. sound. No sound. Okay. I'll start with that one. Uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll shoot Roger a message here on the Facebook board and 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 take take the action item to uh, kind of start the conversation. Okay, yeah, just tag me in that so I can see okay, it. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. We want uh, Steve Bjork's games to be running perfectly everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't. That's piracy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I walked into that one. <laughs> there you go. Oh, but I might have the original it. copy of your game. It's still it's it's legal to play it in an emulator if you own an original on your original hardware. Right. Well, the, the but the CPR contents CPR. of that ROM, did you pull it from the uh, your game? Oh no, I'm talking like Zaxxon. I got the original cassette here. So, mm -hmm. hey Steve, in, in all seriousness, how does one if if I want a legitimate because I bought nearly everything you ever made for, for legitimately at Radio Shack but but Z89 is not one of them so mm -hmm. if I if I wanted to buy Z89 from you can I do that at this moment in time no because I have no way of generating the uh, floppy disk or images my development system that had the latest version of the software was stolen out of my storage unit 
Okay. So I'm trying to recreate it from a floppy disk backup. And let's just say that a 30 year old disk is a little tough to read. Well, keep us, keep, keep us posted earlier in the show. Uh, you know, I mentioned this and, and we're going to get some testers, but I believe um, the copy that's available, let's put it that way. Uh, after you play it through your, your six guys and you go back to replay it, it uh, you automatically crash into the front wall. And I, I feel like that's uh, something, that, uh, a little treat that you put in there. No? Well, let's just put it this way. My copy <laughs> protections have always been known as multi-levels. You fix one thing, and there's another thing that will creep into the software later. <laughs> well, I would love I kind of learned with the original Zaxxon to make it more difficult to get around the copy protection because you know rather than you know going out there and buying the game they would sit there and they would spend tens of hours or 100 hours or whatever trying to crack the game just buy the freaking thing go you know use the time go mow a few lawns made it personal made it personal get a girlfriend get you know something rights. No, you hey, could hey, get a girlfriend thing because then you'd really be low on cash. So yeah, exactly. Uh, sure. And you have yeah, to games. Uh, Ron Klein, really bad things that would happen if you tried to crack one of his games. Like if you cracked one of his games, he would all of a sudden be able to go past level two. Uh, <laughs> nah, nah. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Ron Klein. Uh, Sixy, otherwise known as uh, Kieran Anscombe. Yes. Said, uh, Demon Attack, which I believe is a dragon game. Uh, audio issue appears to not do the right thing in MAME either. So you might put that on your list. Dragon, Demon Attack, That's audio actually issues. a Coco game. That's a Coco card. Oh, is it? Sold. But uh, yeah, oh, that okay. one I think uses a combination of one and six bit sound or maybe just the one bit sound. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. So for Pitfall, is that, the, is that a, that's a cartridge, correct? Oh, Super, Pitfall. Super Pitfall? Super Pitfall was an original cartridge, cartridge. from yep. Radio Shack okay. for Coco 3, yeah. Now, you, you do remember that on Super Pitfall and um, Arkanoid, they used almost every single byte of a 128K system. So you've got to have, if you're not running on the cartridge, you've got to have 512. Yep. I remember people sitting there spinning their wheels trying to come up with a version of those things that worked on a 128k system. And I kind of like snickered and going, not enough RAM. And don't forget, part of the problem is that a lot of these programs, like you'll say Super Pitfall or whatever, uh, was on ROM. So crackers have gotten the code and modified it to work outside of a cartridge. So they sometimes bring in bugs as well. Exactly. They may not. So it's compounding a problem that wasn't there to start with. Now, I can't be responsible for the code that people put in to crack no. my games. I can't. No. I'm sorry. Don't try and take me to court over that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. We can try. As somebody really would do that. That, that. The cheek of people these days, it's amazing. It's a, they, drag, they drag you to court for pirating their game and then the pirate doesn't work properly. 
<laughs> well, I guess Steve just has to say, oh, my program's always had sound. I don't know what your problem is. You fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it is. It's it's their problem. Yeah. And like and like Steve mentioned, I mean, if we, if you multi-layer your 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 copy protection bits there, so that the person pirating it isn't a very good game player, and they can only get to level two or something like that. And then you know, there's another sneaky part in level three and level four that will suddenly kick in, so that you know it plays fine up to that point, and then all of a sudden it starts going wonky. So what's the answer? I mean, obviously, cracking your programs back in the day was terrible, but to these days, when there's no other way to play them. Like you can't buy them legitimately. Like it's such a hard topic because you deserve to make money off your work. There's no question about that. But these days, if you want to play clowns and balloons, what can you do? There's no legitimate way to do that. eBay. No, oh, you go to eBay, uh, buy the cartridge, plug it into your Coco One. Right. I, so, I, you've got, so you've got a limited number of people who can play it. Well, I went right to the used video game store after Tandy Assembly there in Springfield and got a copy of uh, Clowns and Balloons. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have. I, I, Mega Bug playing behind me is actually the original cartridge. It came with the computer I have. Um, yeah, of course, it's somebody's cool going to sit there and say, well, gee, if I buy it from the used uh, cartridge store, Steve's still not making money off of it. Yeah, that's... Well, but I mean, the thing true. is, you are gaining legal rights to using something, and yeah, it, it has been bought bought once at least. At least you got some money out of the cartridge physically. Yeah. Hmm. Jeez, if you could sell these ROMs for, I'd buy them. Like if you had a way to actually sell them. Well, as far as Tandy's license on stuff and the copyrights on the stuff that was that has my code that I copyrighted that is in Datasoft, I own all that now. I bought the stuff from the software Toolworks and Samsung. It was $1, but I bought the rights back. <laughs> That's a pretty Ooh, good what, deal. What, yeah. what so I could sell the ROMs for some of these uh, games. Well, both um, companies, what, what, I went to them and I explained to them that, you know, you guys have either this license or you got this copyright, and because there's also my copyrights in there, you have to enforce the copyright. And when the lawyers started realizing they're going to have to spend money on it and I could buy the rights back so they're no longer liable for that and was going to cost them a dollar, they thought that was a great deal. <laughs> well, would you consider saving a lot of lawyer fees? Would you consider selling a non copy protected version on DVD of all your ROMs and whatever? Like, well, see, that's the problem is I have to come up with a version that doesn't have the copyright. To do that, I need the original source code. See, if I don't do it on my own code, you don't have. I don't have that. I don't have the rights. See, the thing uh, is, a pirate copy has code in there that's not my rights. Uh, Boy, right. isn't life fun? That's because uh, <laughs> you deserve. A, I mean, that's the thing. You like uh, that really? That really sucks. I mean, it'd be, be great if you'd be able to just. You know, you, obviously, you can all agree with this too because it'll mean you make money. But I mean, to put your original code up on a website that you had, sell it, and then people that can that legitimately want to do it and support you can buy a copy of it. That would be wonderful. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, who would not agree with that? Yeah, I, I'm still looking at something where basically there is an organization that sells software um, where all the proceeds go to charity. 
and I'm trying to do something along those lines because I'm not going to make much money on this. I'd like to just be able to have some legal way to get the games out there, go through a company like that, and then the money that you pay in, you're doing somebody good with it. Because people will pay. If there's an option, people will pay. Absolutely. Well, you know, people say that, but I'll trust you. Back in the day, no, they did not pay. They were more interested in pirating the software. I think part of that, though, was the age. Like, a lot of us were kids, and we couldn't afford 40 bucks a cartridge or whatever. And nowadays, I mean, we're, well, some of us are. Most of my cartridges were 20 uh, I'm saying forty Canadians. That's what we're yeah, up here. Yeah, <laughs> Last year I bought Popstar Pilot, and then I started a whole avalanche of people buying Popstar Pilot. It was great, and I was glad to see um, Nick get paid for his work. If I get a three, and, I'm gonna get it. Like, well, the the thing with um, Popstar Pilot is not only do you get Popstar Pilot, but you get the whole Nick Morenti's cool. back catalog for the Coco. Yep. And actually, even before I knew that, when I just started getting back into Coco, and I, I Googled Nick, and I went, whoa, Nick came out with something else? I immediately sent him money, because I, I knew it would be good. And uh, at one point, you know, I, the, the last I had heard, like, Nick's like, I'm done with the Coco. But, you know, when I came back, I saw that. And I'm like, I can get the whole back catalog. It's, uh, can't beat it. Well, whenever Steve gets the 89 straightened out, yeah. And available to buy, I'll definitely buy one. Yeah, ZA9 is, as I said, is I own the complete rights on that, except for it's a knockoff of an arcade gig. <laughs> yeah, well. How about Mine know. Rescue or um, Snake? What's that one? Snake made like Coco 1 and 2 game you did. Like some of the stuff you did you know, not going through Radio Shack. Or. Mm-hmm. Do what I did and then write a new game, in my case, Popstar Pilot, and then bundle, as um, Jason said, just bundle all your, your previous games in with it. That way, you're sort of getting money for them because yeah. it encourages people to buy Popstar Pilot, whether they want Popstar Pilot or not. It's a good package because it includes about whatever it was, six, seven games. Yeah. That's see, a good see, slogan. Popstar yes. Pilot, buy it, whether you want it or not. <laughs> um, see, the, the problem for me is I only have so much time like Curtis does. And every hour that I take away from income is really hurtful these days. So um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Maybe time will get better for me or something like that. But uh, because the things that have happened, that's happened in the last six to eight months. Um, things are rather tight and restrictive. Yeah. What about just getting from somebody who owns an original copy of Z89, borrow their disc and just duplicate that? No, I can't do that because it's, uh, I got to remove the copy protection because that won't work on, um, you know, it just, it's better to get rid of the old copy protection. And, and like that and as i said i can't take the pirated version and do that can we just track down the guy that broke into your storage unit and lynch him <laughs> that would solve everything yeah. Yeah. hey i had some really good stuff in there that he took including my uh f14 pinball machine i really miss that guy it kills me that this guy broke into your unit 
stole what he thought was a PC, got it home, powered it up, and said, what the F is this? That's what happened? And I'm sure he threw it out. Oh, yeah. my God. Because it didn't work. Oh. oh. It's sitting in a landfill somewhere. That's yeah, a shame. Basically, for the people who don't know the backstory, Steve had his Kogo repackaging the PC case. Yeah. Oh. It looked like a regular PC, so the guy took that thing it was a PC. Well, see, it was the easiest way to have your hand, your um, hard drive hanging off of it and everything else is just to pack it inside of a PC case. And also, if you didn't hold down a particular key on the keyboard, the thing wouldn't boot. Mm. So even if you hooked up a monitor to it, it's still, you know, just come up with a black screen. Well, this is sorry. the way the... Uh, that was how I got my Model 1 back when it was stolen twice. The first time it had broken the day before, and the guy who stole it brought it into the Radio Shack Repair Center. <laughs> yeah. I not. On I this edition, this edition that of uh, crooks are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and then he tried to he tried to ransom it back to me. I said, "Sure, we'll meet you." And a three friends in baseball bats. Yeah, I got my <laughs> Oh, yeah. Then it was stolen a second time. And he called me at the store. I worked for a small computer store. And I said, well, we don't fix Radio Shack here. He said, well, Radio Shack won't touch this machine because it's all different. Because my machine was very modified. And I said, well, call my friend Morty. And then I get a call two days later. Morty says, Al, this is your computer this guy brought in. And I said, well, call the cops and have them come pick it up. And then the guy at the police station, he's like, well, are you going to pay me back the money I paid to buy this? I'm like, no. <laughs> property. Well, there's an easy solution for that. Uh, all my equipment here, if it's not on my uh, home network, it starts calling home. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Another thing too that we can do these days that wasn't available back then is GPS trackers. Put them in all your valuable equipment. If someone mm -hmm. takes it, you can track it where it's gone. I'm we'll actually going to do that backups. very shortly with all my all my synth gear in the background here. I'm going to put GPS trackers in it. Sure. Some of that gear is, is highly collectible stuff, and it's you know very difficult to find. So uh, that's not your address, David. Replacement. It's the rarity. <laughs> of the stuff. Next, next, next door to you, Nick. <laughs> hey Nick, where'd you get all the synth gear from? <laughs> all that, oh, that pilot money. That was lying around. <laughs> I thought you'd buy Lamborghinis or something with that. Or hey, that, that's my pop star, Jason. You stole it. You sent it to me. Oh, hey, you know what? My 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 likeness is contained in here. You know, there's some 20 year old footage that I'm in here. Exactly. On. Royalties on that. Yeah. Well, get it, circling back to the original uh, point of the discussion, I, did we talk that out? I guess. What I was think the so. Point? There's definitely a mixed, uh, mixed viewpoint on original versus uh, clones, but I think I think I think they're all legitimate. It's just that people have different preferences or levels of skill. Levels of ability for doing you know, creative stuff versus uh, on the Commodore 64. We started off this discussion about that port of Super Mario Brothers, right? Well, but yeah. someone else did yeah. a game called Great Gianna Sisters, that is a platform game like 
Super Mario Brothers, but had different graphics. Mm-hmm. I guess, I I guess Nintendo that, let that, Nintendo guess let really, that go, right? Yeah. I guess the really this, uh, my opinion on the thing is really, if you're doing it for your own personal reasons, you know, as a challenge and like that, I can definitely see it. But just because you saw a game on another system, don't go on Facebook and say, hey, it'd be really great to have this on the Coco. If you're not willing to do the work yourself. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yep. Give my people stuff to do. Steve, I've got an idea for you. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm, not rattling, I'm not rattling your chain, man. Well, you can always say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll, as long as you pay me the same amount of money that the uh, original authors got paid as well. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ten grand in advance, Nick. We'll make whatever game you want. There you go. <laughs> For ten grand, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> hey, Tandy, they, they paid me advance and royalties to get me to do games, so. We need an official Nick Marota ukulele emulator on the Coco. Yeah, how about ukulele hero? If <laughs> <laughs> you can pay me enough for that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have now degenerated to the lowest level. <laughs> You're welcome, Steve. Ukulele talk. You're welcome, this, Steve. This episode of Coco Talk brought to you by $5 ukuleles. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be MC10s. Yeah, I was just about to say we could be talking about porting the 89 oh, I, I paid more for the ukulele than I did my MC10. <laughs> David, you're here today. Defend me. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they only use for a five dollar ukulele hitting it over somebody's head. Five dollar one, yes, definitely. There's yeah, James I, I, I need to... again. I just heard too. Yeah, I have a funny feeling. You, I have a funny feeling you you could be a little more than five dollars. Yes, yes. Yes. Certainly sounds like well, it's worth more than five dollars. Really there you go. It sounds like it's well, five dollars. Okay. It sounds like it's worth way more than five dollars to me. <laughs> anyway, well, I think we've beaten this topic completely to death and, yeah, it's and well, remembered it in the whole bit. Uh, so I think we should have a commercial break and then we should go over the fest. Uh, we should pull well, up the be, be, yeah. before we go to commercial. Just yep. in terms, since, since we're on the subject of Super Mario, um, how do we encourage the the gentleman who created that P mode three game where it's very Super Mario like, where you. Uh, uh, I forgot the name of it. I think we had Steve right. Bamford. No, no, he's talking about Flag and Bird. Fla- uh, yeah, something like, something like that. No, not Flag and Bird. It, it had a it had a Japanese Cersei, name. Whatever the heck it's called. Yeah, the the that game with Japanese name and it's uh it very much has the same motion as Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, and he's so using the a, Game Master cartridge for the music, right? Yeah, we the- haven't heard anything about that in a while. So I would say, you know, let's encourage the people who are creating original games that are utilizing the Super Mario gameplay, kind of. Yeah, I suspect it's the same thing as it's hit Steve and me. It's a, it's the real life thing. That's the thing. These these are hobbies at this point. You're you're not going to make a living off Coco stuff, so you have to you know sneak your time in when you're able. Well, except if you're Nick Morantes and you have <laughs> Pop Star Pilot money, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I'm two Ferraris. Two. Well, got a very understanding family. <laughs> well, I got. But not for much uh, longer. <laughs> I know you guys are going to go to commercial break and you're going to talk about Coco Fest. I need to step away, but I just wanted to say I'll see everybody at Coco Fest next weekend. Who's going? So. Okay. Have a good okay. time. Okay. Right. Yep. yep. 
Yep, see you guys there. See, see you there. See ya. Oh, I'll see you from afar. Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we've put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 1 Sorry, wrong button. <laughs> Coco do oh. ask for it by name. It's like commercial's I... over. Oh, I got to push a button. <laughs> <laughs> I did check the label on mine to see if there was French on the bottom. It could be English as well. It's good. Well, it's English and French. Yeah, it's both if it's yeah. made it, for if Canada. If it's only English, it's not going to be from the U.S. Or it's uh, yeah. not going to be from Canada. It'll be from the U.S. Right. Oh it's God. funny some of the voice again. Some of the Australian cocos actually was spelled C O L O R, and some were spelled O U R. So there was there was various models in Australia that had different that had each of the spellings. No, you are. Yeah, we okay. just know you are. No, you are. No, you in Canada. No, you are. You are. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mark, I, I threw up the link for Glenside's uh, Cocoa Fest page. If you want to bring that up and share, then we kind of just go through and discuss it. Okay. And there's a little couple so sidebars for attending events, vendors, that kind of thing. So, all right, uh, everyone, see that then? Yep. Okay. I guess first question is, who here on the panel today is all going? I am actually going, thanks to some help from some. I'm going. Yep. There, there's your name, Curtis. I'll be there. I'll be there. Who's out? You said you're going, which is a bit of a surprise today. Yep. And Mark, Mark you're going too, I heard. Which one? Mark? Oh, I won't be able to go. No, so, but someone said I'll be there, but Al's not going. That's right. If I thought I was going to be there, I'd need to start swimming now. <laughs> <laughs> So it's do we really know how many people we've got on that list? Now. 75 so far. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. Hopefully we'll get some last minute people in there too. Yeah, I did contact Glenside and got them to make the appropriate corrections because there was some information that wasn't correct regarding myself and my brother. 
Yeah, they said you were you were staying home and he was going or something, wasn't right. it? Right, they they had it backwards. Yeah, but it should be all fixed now. That could just be biased as to who they want to see show up. You know, I don't know. I, mean, I think what happened numbers? was my my Tandy list account had my had my address and all my other information, but had his name on it. You see, you're going now, Curtis. Yeah, I got some uh, some help from some people in the Coca community that uh, tipped tipped me over the financial threshold I needed. So good stuff. That's great. And uh, looks like Tim Franklin says he'll be there. Cool. Yep. Is he on the list? Or? Uh, he'll be autographing copies of Star Pilot. Our uh, count, I just noticed, I've been looking at it all the whole episode, but episode number 105, Countdown to Coco Fest. 15 hours, 44 minutes, 18, and it's counting up. Well, that's, that's, just, <laughs> that's, that's not the actual that, count. That's the clock. I know, I know, I know. It's a real-time clock. but it's... I can't believe it's not a real-time clock. I, I can't get an answer as to whether or not Ron Klein's going to be there. No, Ron's, Ron's going to yeah. be making the copies of stuff. So, yeah, Ron, Otherwise, that would be one heck of a feat. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's Ron. There. There's two Rons going for sure. Yeah. Coco Fest 2019, now with more Rons. Yeah. yeah. More Rons. <laughs> I don't think we uh, – yeah, here we go. I don't think we need that. Uh, the other one's John Strong. <laughs> Now, question for the oh, people John, on the panel here: Is anybody here that's going? Is is it is it the first time for any of us? I mean, obviously, I've been to quite a few, but and Ron, the Ron Devo, this is your third, if you include Rainbow Fest, right? That's correct. Yes, second time ever. Yeah, this will be my second time ever, not counting Penfest '99 and 2000. Yeah, anybody I, else first time or? I'm not going to be going this year. Oh, I would really love to make it my first time. So, somebody has to stream it. So there, will be a show, there will be a show next week, right? Yeah, we'll have a show. We'll stream it, whoever shows up. And uh, Well, that's a matter of opinion. In, in theory, they're going to have uh, somebody can, well, whoever is on the Zoom call who happens to be there can, uh, you know, stream some of the stuff. You know, show us some yeah, tables. Yeah, I think and... Steve, Steve and I were talking about, too, like on, on Saturday morning, we have this thing, which we started just a year or two ago, where we kind of film all the booths and all the vendors actually get a break from their own booth so we can show each other what our projects are. Otherwise you have to sit and babysit your booth all day and you don't get to see anybody else or what they're doing. And I think we're going to film that and we'll hopefully upload that to the Google Drive so you guys can actually show that during the show. Ah, okay. So you kind of give you an saddle? overview of every single vendor and what they're doing. Via satellite. Speaking of vendors, it looks like you've got the vendor list up. Uh, this is the vent list. Our vent list? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Has there been any changes on that since previous? Hey, you know, I couldn't tell you that. When is the ukulele roundtable? We canceled no. that because uh, Nick's not going to be there. Oh, darn. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> I know I'm looking forward to the keynote with Stephen Hirsch, the guy who did Speed Racer for <coughs> slash Computer Shack, because I've... Ooh. Never really talked to him before, never met him before, so it'd be interesting to see what his, his tales from the early 80s are like. Do you have any of his stuff on your site? Well, Speed Racer is on there. I, I, well, the, the page is up there. I can't remember if that has downloads or not, if I got a hold of them back in the day to, to get permission. Do the and of course, Simon Jonasson's flying in from Europe, so that'll that'll be a Ooh. bit of a treat. Yes. 
that's the main reason I'm coming this year. Is he's, he's doing a seminar on hairstyling, I think, from what I understood. So, <laughs> and Paul Mall cigarettes. Yeah. And, uh, Let me guess. Lick fingers. Stick in light sockets. <laughs> <laughs> Licking fingers, I think, was optional, but I'm not sure. So, is there, a, is there a media team or, or like even just a camera set up there which can film each of the events? Do they film the events there and then put them on like a YouTube channel or something? Or was that up to each of the... Stevie, you know, the Stevie did that last year and, and it was a lot of work and, and I actually, there would be only four or five people actually watching live. So I think the idea is to collect as much content as possible. So we're going to walk around and we're going to film as much as we can and then um, assemble it in post. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. I didn't mean is is someone going to be there actually doing it live for each one? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're. Yeah. I think yeah. I think the we'll all be trying to capture as much content on our phones as possible. So yeah. the Coco yeah. Talk after the show will be great. Yeah, I, I thought it was a bit odd. I was sitting in some of the forums uh, with the YouTube stream on my phone, commenting on YouTube while I'm actually sitting in the room. That was, that was kind of a surreal. I, I do know Stevie wants to get away from having to you know, actively you know move cameras and mics and stuff around there because he, he misses so much of the show when you're doing that for all the seminars and all the different things so that you don't, you know, like you said, he never really got in the show floor the first two years to yeah, see him yeah. because he was so busy filming all the seminars. And the other thing, too, is you get busy with the show itself. It's hard to, oh, gee, I should be taping this, too. Yeah. Mm. I, I think, I guess what I was really more referring to was not is there going to be somebody there to actually record each event. I was thinking, like, you know, I, like I've never been, so I don't know what it actually looks like in the room physically. But if, if there was somewhere where there was where pe people were giving their presentations, it, it would be almost sounds like a, a sensible idea to have a, a fixed camera set up there, which can just record each time when something's We happening. have done that in the past, but sometimes a speaker moves away from where the mic is or isn't carrying a mic that's connected to the camera. It's connected to the PA system. So all of a sudden you can't hear them for part of it. If you guys remember Tandy Assembly the first year that we had a lot of that where you could barely hear depending on where the person was walking or pointing to something on a presentation slide behind them or type thing. So since like they just David, like a lapel, a lapel David, mic with you, a belt pack. Yeah, these uh, Coco, these Coco Fests, you don't stand at a podium and do your talk. You're you may be standing next to the screen, so it's very difficult to set up a microphone on a person. They really need I a would, belt pack with a yeah. That's yeah, what exactly. it, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah. I would encourage you, David, if if you're interested, to go and look look back at the recordings from last year's show, where you can uh, see some of the presentations and. Um, you know, if you haven't done that yet, I would recommend yeah, that. No, there were some good. Yeah. 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 And so some of them came out good. The, some people have good booming voices you can hear well, and others, you know, like me, are kind of. Yeah, okay. So that's on, I guess that's on Stevie's channel, is it? Or I think it's on Stevie's uh, Coco Talk uh, channel, yeah, not on OG CV Stroh, so you have to go to his other channel. Okay, yeah. But I mean, I'm sure we'll try to record some stuff. And like I said, we're hoping to record the entire first walkthrough of all the vendors because I think that's what people want to see because a lot of people have new stuff coming up. They're not announcing to the show. So that'll be the first you know time for anybody, even at the show, to see this stuff. And then that'll be hopefully uploaded and ready for you guys for Cocoa Talk that afternoon. So you'll have some new stuff to talk about. If I was in the States and I was coming along, I'd, I'd put my hand up to do sound for it because that's my... That's and that would I've... be the last year you do it too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is so much would, work. I'm not getting paid. I'm not having would, time to enjoy the show. I would you take know? turns with him. Yeah. I'll back him up. 
Yeah, if you get a couple people to do it, that might be a better thing because you do miss yeah. a lot of the show if you're busy, even just as a vendor. I mean, if you're sitting behind your oh, booth yeah. the entire time, you don't get to talk to any of the other vendors. You don't get to see what they're doing. Like I know yeah. after the first year, I went and saw some stuff after the fact that Jim Brain had been doing, and I had no idea he was doing any of that stuff because I hadn't had a chance to actually go see his booth. Yeah. Okay. Let alone t test the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I still haven't tested the cookies to be honest. You know. uh, I I have already pre-ordered my cookies. There's someone That's why there I brought to all delete those Kit Kats. <laughs> someone's there to, to delete your cookies. <laughs> oh, is, is someone bringing Canadian Kit Kats this year? I've been uh, getting no, a lot of people requesting that. So, if you're going to be added to the list, you should just uh, let me know. Okay. Hopefully, it won't be real warm and they won't be a big glued together block. Well, they're supposed to be getting snow at Heron Point this weekend or something, I think. Yeah. They're getting snow right now. Six to eight inches. According to Tim Franklin. Well, hopefully, well, we got snow here. Hopefully, you don't folks, bring enough Kit Kats. You have to declare it. That are going, folks that are going to the show this year, bring extra Diet Dr. Pepper. We remember what happened to poor David Ladd. Uh, David, David Ladd's last pepper. Uh, that that should just be part of one of the programs, the presentation of the Diet Dr. Pepper to Mr. Yeah. David Lamb. <laughs> bring a bottle yeah, as the entry fee. <laughs> I can just, first. just just have a constant flow of Diet Dr. Pepper. Just have here's some more. Oh, so just people keep bringing to him the whole time. You know. Is is David able to go this year? Yes, he should. I, I think He's I think on it at this point. Yeah, it's planning. Yeah, it's tentative. Yes. And the other thing, I for, I couldn't fit in my suitcase, but could somebody please bring the bald head brushing stuff? <laughs> we need to polish that thing. It wasn't or shiny buffer, enough yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah either that or just you know a can of turtle wax and a and a rag. One of and a two. buffer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then after buffing wait. him, then you can go out there and buff the uh, bird. Heron. Heron. <laughs> Heron. Buff the heron, yeah. Buff I don't think you get quite as good as a sheen off of the yeah, heron as you will off of <laughs> bit of a bird bath this is a bird buff after all the people touching the thing i didn't want to touch it <laughs> touch the Bring heron your sanitize your hands yeah. where has the heron been uh, oh that's what we should do we should get one of those uh hand dispenser you know the the alcohol dispenser things <laughs> that right next yep. to the heron <laughs> like yeah. please sanitize yourself before touching the heron and after and after yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway, I'm just taking a look at the vendors list here. I don't know if you want to bring that screen up again. We can kind of just go through those. We got some pre-announcements of some things that are happening uh, with some of them. So um, Boise's doing his call to papers as he did, I think, was it last year or the last two years he's done that. Um, like I know Brendan uh, submitted this, some of the Coco BJ stuff as, a, as one of the papers. Um, I think last I, year was the first year. Was it the first? Okay. I think it was. So, I, I think Brendan might actually be doing an update actually based on some of the new stuff he's in on the Coco VJ, which we'll be showing off at the show as well, like his um, editor and stuff that he we showed on the show last week and the week before. Uh, Boys in Tech, obviously, will be selling the Boomerang to make upgrades. I don't know if he's got any surprises up sleeve and he had to leave, so we still don't know. Uh, Brian Schubring, you'll be playing all your music and the anthems for the opening for the show on each of the days. Do you have anything special that you're going to be showing this year? No, not really. Uh, just uh, trying to get everything uh, stable. I just still need to get DriveWire to work on OS 9 now. I think it might be a driver or possibly a uh, clash with a couple of the uh, modules that because uh, I got it from um, Al Huffman uh, version for that. 
Have you tried okay. it with just basic RS DOS and uh, like uh, the Coco SDC? See if it'll work. Oh, and... Yeah, that works fine. I can do it that way. So when I uh, boot up OS nine, I know oh, yeah. I can, uh, connect with uh, uh, this with right. this version of uh, OS nine. Okay, yeah. So it's a drive wire issue, not a hardware issue. Well, we might have some people with some Nitrous Nine experience there that might be able to help you out a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be talking to you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I might be you. Yeah. Then we have Cloud9, which obviously announced that the Triad Plus and uh, Protector Plus are going to be there, as well as all the cables and stuff. So, but he has also teased that there's going to be more announcements that he's not pre-announcing until the show of some other hardware. I don't know if that means pre-announcements of stuff that he's working on. He's going to show like you know demo versions of it, or if he's actually got actual products coming out. But it'll be interesting to see what he brings out there. Uh, what, what's the mini Spectro? Well, the Spectro's been out before. He just hadn't made it in a while, so hopefully we'll have some new versions no. of that. And the Mini Flash he sold before, too. Those are just like reruns of new of old products, but he's hinted that he's got some new stuff coming, too, that's not... Now he showed off a prototype of a keyboard, didn't he, last, last year? Last year, yeah. Yeah, so maybe you'll have that for sale. That'd be nice. Yep. Could be. Could be uh, something super, is... too. Sorry, what was that? It could be something super, too. <laughs> 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 Um, the next one on there is the Coco Brothers, which is uh, Tim and Paul Thayer. Now, is Paul still on the call, or did he have to head out, too? Well, it looks like he left. Oh, yep. darn. Because I know he's he's kind of helping sponsor with Simon there. So, I, obviously, Simon's demo that he's been working on the last while will be shown in full at the fest for the first time. Hopefully, he gets it finished by then. But <laughs> um, I don't know if, if, like, Paul's been working on several different games, so I don't know if he's going to have anything to show off there, like a further demo of something, or might even have something ready, but he's got a few coals in the fire there, so it'll be interesting to see. Then what Simon's, what Simon's done so far on the on the demo is actually looking pretty good. He sent me yeah, a copy yeah. of it. Um, yeah. Well, from the sounds of it, maybe he was being coy earlier, but it sounded like he sent you and Ron Devon and maybe one or two others pieces of the demo, but nobody's got the entire thing. Is that correct? He sent an early version, which had a, a bug... Um, and then he sent me. He sent me another one. Probably last one I got would have been three days ago. Seventy-five percent complete. Mm. Okay. And I've tested that that one. I think. Yeah, okay. I think that's the one I've got. But probably the one we've probably got the same one run. Yeah, so. very latest. I know he offered to send me a copy of it too, and I said no. I'm trying to get the OU out, so I don't really have time to fiddle with it. So yeah, yeah, I declined because yeah. it was just pointless sending it to me because I would probably get it to run it once, and that'd be it. Uh, next up is Coco Man. I don't know who that is, but he's selling some cable stuff, I guess. Some some schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes him, but I understand he tries to sell him. <laughs> well, this, this Coco Fest premiere of the Wallaby cable that was uh, originally premiered at uh, Tandy Assembly. But, uh, is this your, your annual product? Right? Okay, uh, every, everybody all at once again? Is, is this your annual Truckload sale, <laughs> truckload sale, truckload sale. Yeah, I didn't know I had to bring a truck. Yeah, no, I, there was a truckload sale at Tandy Assembly, but uh, mm. no, I don't, I'm not having mm. a truckload sale. Mm. Truckload? Mm. There was a guy who brought like a whole box truck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just asking the wall. Be that's your your dual RGB monitor cable, correct? Right, that's the dual RGB cable, correct? I might have to see if I can scrape enough money for that too. Oh, they're they're ten. They're, they're going to be ten dollars. 10 us yes I mean, 10 us so, dollars so, so none, of, none of that none of that money with mr smock on it 
I'll just have to speed through all those toll booths and they don't catch a flip the Coco 3 over. So some people right. are just using it as a short little extension. Extension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had people at Tandy Assembly go, yeah, I, I, yeah for the price, I'm going to buy one. And I said, well, what I was doing with this and the way I use is when I'm testing Wallaby cables. Or, uh, I'm sorry, looks like we lost the live stream, guys. Switching switch a roo cables. Uh-oh. Uh Did we lose it? Time yeah. limit? We lost the live stream. Oh, we got the... No, it's only been three hours. It's only been three hours, though. Oh, no, on Facebook. Um, no, OBS yeah. complained. It went red. And uh looks like we lost the... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Lost YouTube also. Yeah. Well, good night, everybody. What did the outro look like? <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me go ahead and stop. Can we wait? Let me stop the streaming and restart it. Well, I, I've still got it. Yeah. Uh, Jim Brain says, is, "Thank you." Is this gonna hurt? <laughs> Jim Brain says, "Never is wasted." Oh, Jim Franklin paper. said, "YouTube crashed." You will never recover. And we go into that. They go into that black hole where they found the. Uh, what are talking about? I restarted the streaming, so let's see if it comes back. It did. It did. I just saw it come back up on YouTube. So, just apologies to everybody who's watching live here. Uh, we had a glitch where the stream just suddenly went down for no particular reason at all, except to censor Jason. Yeah, of course, when I'm talking. Yeah. The stream just doesn't work. like me. So we're not really sorry. <laughs> not really sorry. <laughs> we did you a favor. Oh. It was a, mer it was a mercy kill of the stream. I What I was saying about the Wallaby cables is some people use them as an extension cable rather than just a, a, uh, a, a splitter. splitter cable uh, for plugging and unplugging things without having to flip over their Coco 3. And actually... That's what I started doing is you know, when I when I'm to, after I build a switcheroo, rather than flip the Coco three over, I'm just plugging into a Wallaby and being done with it. So that's that's handy. But some people run two displays. Some people just use it as a as an extension. It's uh, it's only ten bucks. Yeah, that's cool. So um, next up on the list is the Kyoku VJ, which is Brendan, and he's just released some software for doing uh, editing of the custom character sets and stuff. And of course, he's always had the palettes, extra palettes, and he's got the uh, extra, you know, high res graphics modes with 16 colors and uh, 64 column text and everything else too. So that's uh, it's gonna be nice to see some of the new stuff actually running in person. I actually finally will be getting mine because I actually gave my Coco one last year, and I said, you know, I won't have time to work on it anytime soon. So he, I think he installed it in June or July or something. He emailed it back, and I said, I'll just wait to the fest because I'm busy working on the ease of use anyway. So I'll be picking up the first time, and then I'm planning to do some more expanded Nitrous 9 Level 1 drivers to start adding in some of the extra features besides 64 column. So I'm looking See, I bought mine at Tandy Assembly, and I still haven't installed it yet. <laughs> Does um, Steve Stroh have a computer he's waiting to pick up, too? Yeah, the Tandy 1000, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he added another one to that list now. <laughs> and I think he's getting some other stuff, like Grant has a monitor stand for him or something. There's some other yes, little bit. and an Apple IIc also. Right. And somebody's got uh, an Atari 500 for him. He's going to rent an Uber truck, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. He's going to have a U-Haul by the time he's done. Yeah. Let's see. We were up to Coco VGA, weren't we? Yep. Now we're on the Color Computer Store. Oh, Okay. And I'll have to click on that link because I can't remember who that is. Carlos Camacho. Ah, okay. So he's in the past, he's had stickers and he's had t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Is that what he's planning on doing this year? Does anybody know? Or? 
probably he also buys uh, Cocoa Ones and Twos and Threes and refurbishes them, cleans them up. Does mm. a really nice job, too. Um, also, maybe he'll have some Cocoa One, Twos, and Threes for sale for some of those people that are trying to get the Who does the new Ram badges? Uh, that's Carlos. That's that's okay. Carlos. Yeah. 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 yeah I think Myro, was Myro doing those too, or is it just Carlos? Uh, I think Myro had like five twelve k, but Carlos had like ones for the uh, uh, for like, Yeah, and then like the, the Coco ones and twos. Yeah, he's okay. got the, the he's got the little mini square badges, the Ram badges too yeah. for the Coco ones. Yeah, so you can get sixty four k instead of uh, four. I noticed like Mark Marlett's uh, he's at Cloud Nine. He's Five twelve k and two meg uh, upgrade stickers for the Coco Three there too, and I don't know if he made them himself or if those are actually from Carlos or not. So we'll have to see. Uh, next mm. up is Evan Wright, who's done Flood It, the cartridge, and Hunt the Wampus, which is the I guess new to Coco Fest this year. Um, and he's also got his adventure game engine as well. So uh, not sure if he'll have anything brand new to show. And I also I think he's bringing some students down that Rick Adams was going to help do some kind of teaching here, you know classic game design type thing he did that last year too that was yeah. nice yeah it's cool too because we got a lot of the younger set coming out and seeing all the old computers so they get to see you know where the where the industry came from per se after that we have hawks up which is chris hawks and his wife and chris has been in the co-community forever <laughs> um he's the guy that originally did the first cd-rom driver for os9 back in the day and he's, he sells some uh, basic games and he sells some os9 stuff and has been a great support of the Coco community for decades so it'll be nice to see him again. Uh, John Linvo will be there, and I guess this will be the official actual release of uh, Farfall Game Master cartridge version, which actually has a sound chip uh, for doing background sound built into it. Um, and of course, all those older cartridges will be there as well. Um, I'm not sure if he has anything new surprising that he's showing. I, has he hinted anything on the Coca Crew podcast that I'm just not remembering, or does anybody else remember? I, I don't think he's hinted at it but that doesn't mean he won't yeah the only thing i remember was the new game master cartridge with the uh, uh with the uh right i guess flood it and uh and uh Farfall. okay so we'll have to see if he has any surprises uh next up is lost wizard enterprises and uh that's william astle from fellow canuck here from calgary he's even got a further drive than i do and uh, I mean, he's the one who did LW Tools and LW Asm and a lot of the cross-platform tools. So that's usually what to, he's as the best. Daggeroth source code. Yeah. Hey, um, on uh, John Linville, I think he mentioned that he was also going to do kits or something on the Game MasterCard. I don't know for sure. There was some post about something you could go back through the Facebook. Yeah, and he did. He did that a year ago. I think he still has those available. So yeah. So oh, the kit version of the. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then after that, Neil Blanchard of Neil's Computer Service. Now he's gotten um, the joystick adapters that he's made in the past. I think he's actually kind of the guy behind the Hunt the Wumpus thing too, somewhat. Uh, he didn't write it, but he's actually helping manufacture them. Um, I don't know if he's got any surprises coming up for the show. He also uh, actually has one of the active BBSs you can log into uh, with some of the uh, Wi-Fi modems and stuff here too, and actually run Twilight Terminal or Roger Taylor's what is it called? Teleterm, Telnate, Net, Netmate, Netmate. Uh, it's yeah, called Internal Affairs BBS. Yeah, and it actually does the full ANSI color, which those two terminal programs on the Coco actually support. So you actually get to see things you know as you would have seen in a PC back in the day, which is cool. It is very cool. Then there's this Nitrous 90s of Use project. We'll just skip that because that's a worthless piece of crap anyway. So. All right. 
Who'd use that? Exactly. <laughs> Hard to use. For anyone. Hard to use single tasking. Why would you ever want to use that? <laughs> uh, Rick Adams will be there. Uh, is he doing his coding without a net this year? Does anybody know? I know he's playing having his kiosk with all of his games so that you can you know choose between on a menu and, and play a game for a little bit, quit the game, and then it can brings back the menu. You jump between the games that way. Um, he might also be demonstrating um, OmniStar, I'm presuming. Has he totally finished that game? Does anybody know, or has he still got a few tweaks to do? I think he's got some. Last I saw, he had a few tweaks to go. He created a, 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 an end game for it, uh, but he's not happy with the <laughs> end game, so I think he's continuing to modify. He wants there to be a, you know something uh, rewarding to, to happen at the end. Yeah, he said he had an end game, but it sucks or something like that. <laughs> he also was dabbling with the concept of whenever time you use a utility that it costs you some percentage points. And so you have to use it uh, judiciously, I guess, to make sure you don't wind up with too little power to do what you need. Okay, so maybe he will be doing his coding without a net and actually maybe taking some suggestions from the audience on some of these last minute issues and see if he can get it coded up there. That'd be interesting to watch. And then Reitfeld, Reitfeld, which is Henry Reitfeld, and uh, he says he's going to be showing his Coco 3 on a stick as well as his Coco 3 helmet display, which I think is a VR thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I believe so. So that'll be interesting to try. We've seen some VR stuff on the show here from our friend in... Uh, ben Drakes. Yeah. Who's actually got, you know, Phantom Slayer and Dagrath playing on a, a full-blown, you know, $1,000 plus VR system with actual walking tracks and stuff too, but... Henry looks like he's got the joysticks and the, and the, the, the visual part of it down, which would be a lot cheaper for us to afford. So I'd be very interested to see what, what kind of stuff he's got to have showing on there. Hey, Curtis, I just got my t-shirts in from uh, for the fest. The blue one looks really good. You had, you want to show it on camera? And, and if you sure. can zoom that up, Mark? Yeah, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> so the light blue one looks really good. I, I don't recommend that you get the one on the gray. <laughs> No. Oh. Yeah, the cat didn't like it either. So no. <laughs> this one you can't hardly read. So avoid the charcoal. Just, that one just says touch the heron. Yep. So avoid the charcoal. Is that what you're calling it, huh? <laughs> the heron, huh? Sounds like somebody didn't pre-proof uh, the T-shirt selection of colors. Yep. Yeah. Either that, or is it one of those sites where you get to pick your own shirt color? Yes, that... you get to pick your own color. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's basically it's up to the person buying to make an intelligent choice. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the person that's putting the art together should really check to see on the mm -hmm. selections of shirts of what's available. Make sure that you don't select something like that. Something <laughs> <laughs> like this. A recommendation not to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least talk to the T-shirt site. Say, you know what? Don't sell it with these options of colors of of yeah. cloth because it's just not going to be contrasty enough to read. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very, very hard. You can kind of see it, but it's yeah, real difficult. So now, if they use UV ink and it glows in the dark, if you have a black light, well, that would be cool. I'd be accepting of that. But yeah, yeah, I could give that a try. We'll see what it looks like. <laughs> Maybe you could it's just good. tell people that you wash the shirt too many times. <laughs> <laughs> if you drip some it's ketchup a... and mustard on it, it'll look better. <laughs> now it's that's, rich, that's going through the vendor list. That's that's complete. But I noticed there's some people missing there, like Jim Brain, for example, which I'm assuming he's going to the fest. He's been talking about you know getting pre-orders for cookies and stuff. So I don't think this vendor list is complete at this point. Um, was now 
Uh, somebody mentioned something about John Linville's video player. Was that going to be actually in the, somebody's game or something? I, I was wondering if that was – maybe that's something they'll just show off. There's I don't a know. couple of video players around. I mean, uh, Ed Snyder's got one, too, that uses some of the new features on the Coco SDC. And his is 6.09 optimized, so I think it actually plays a little bit smoother, too. Because um, John's did his way back, I think, off Compact Flash, if I remember correctly, on the Super ID. Yeah. Well, yeah, see. I just did a demo of those two players. They're on they're on Facebook. Um, I think some of you guys have already seen it. I don't know if anyone's planning on demoing anything there. Um, I guess I could bring my IDE controller, and uh, you know, there's plenty of Coco SDCs around. Yeah. So if people people wanted to see it, I'm sure we could probably set something up. I mean, the the hardest part really, and it's not that difficult, is just getting the videos um, converted and encoded to work with each player. Um, there's yeah. instructions out there that Ed's provided for his. Um, I don't think John has, but I, I have documented all the steps to do it, and I can post those in Google Docs or something for, for anyone interested in, in trying to reproduce that. It's, not, it's pretty neat to see. I just I mean, have you noticed a big get... difference in the quality of the players between the two of them? I mean, obviously, one was done 10 years later, so I'm assuming. Well, a lot of that's going to be the encoding. Yeah, you know, if you guys look at the, the demos that I, I put up um, for those that are on Facebook, I thought the colors were were better on John's player, um, but I don't I don't know if that's just because you know Ed's is compatible with a Coco two and a three, so oh, okay. right right away you have some limitations that you have to work with. Where John's was strictly um, Coco three based, so he he may have had more options with regards to uh, the color set, especially with um, you know how he's done it. But you know Ed's and player speed. Yeah, and Ed's player is very smooth. I mean, it. it I do have a sixty three oh nine. I don't know how it would be without that. I think he said you had to have a sixty three oh nine for it. But again, yeah, it, I, yeah. I, I tried oh. running it on. I've got it running. I've got the sixty eight oh nine in the in the Coco one there, and I've got a sixty three oh nine in my uh, Coco three, and I put both of those players on on both of those systems um, just before the show actually. Um, and tried playing them. I won't play at all on the 6809. Um, and I was going to ask you, is this somewhere I can... There was that video of, of Men at Work down under and a couple of other ones that you posted there. Is there somewhere where we can download those that I can... Yeah, bring I'll have to, we'll have to, yeah, I'll have to figure that out because I got flagged on YouTube for that. They um, You got a copyright violation for that. I, I, I did. So they're still yeah. up there, but I think they've um, muted out portions of the sound. So they play here in Australia. I think it's because it's the copyright is 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 available. It's Australian songs, so it still yeah. plays on my YouTube here. Yeah. Now, do you have actual converted them. files, Ron, that people can download to try on their own, so we don't well, have to worry yeah, about? Yeah, that, to post yeah. them. Let's just find a, if you guys come up with a place you want them. If they're, I don't know what they're not. I mean, they're a little large. They're what about a hundred, hundred meg maybe. I'd be I'd be happy to host them on my site. I've got cocotweaks.com. I can put them up there and yeah, send and, me um you know. just send me the credentials, however, to get them up there, and I'd be happy to send them up. I have a few other videos I've converted, and um yeah, or, or even 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 send me send them. You know, if you wanted to send them to me via my Google Drive, sure. I can then take them off of Google Drive and put them on the server. Okay, nope, that sounds mm. good. I'll get those to you. Cool, cool. Now, speaking of IDE interfaces, uh, who was uh, working on the other one? It was somebody who was doing a new Paul Barton. Paul Barton. Yeah. Is he going to be at <coughs> No, he no, won't. Don't. He's not going. No, he wouldn't fit in Ron's suitcase, so that didn't That's happen. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, 
Ron, you're supposed to pack a bigger suitcase. Yeah. He won't hold his breath that long for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd never be able to swim over from Australia then. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> Need a lot of Vegemite. Give you a lot of energy. <laughs> I was just about to ask, does Vegemite help you float or something? I don't know. Yeah. No, it just gives you energy for the swim. Keeps the sharks away. Yes, yes. Keeps the, yep, yep. <laughs> I did offer him to uh, make uh, whatever he wants to make. And if he wants, you know, I'll bring it along. We haven't talked to him since I offered that to him. So we'll see what he's going to do. Yeah, because he's definitely a hardware tinker. I mean, I mean, I know he's he's helping some other people with some other hardware projects, too, for, you know, prototyping and stuff, too. So yeah, he's a generous it'd be really cool guy. to get him down to the fest someday. Well, next year's the 40th, kind of a big one. Yeah, maybe we'll chip in and oh. get him down there. Because, I mean, the Nocan 3 I have is is, is one of his, obviously. So, Oh, do, were you going to bring that? Actually, I'll be trading it in for uh, one of the newer upgrades because I have to be able to test with the newer hardware. So um, oh. if we arrange for either you to take it back to him so he has one of his originals back, or we'll have to see, like, if, you know, some of the people are doing the upgrades on my machine, whether they want to keep it for nostalgia purposes themselves. So, But, yes, I'm bringing it if you want to see it again. Yeah. Cool. And that's it for vendors yeah. at the fest. Um, seminars, I don't know. Is there uh, anything? Let me, yeah, let me bring that back up again. And we've got the standard stuff. We talked about the Stephen Hirsch bit. Um, booth tour, which we talked about. We're actually going to try to film so you guys can see it on Coco Talk that afternoon. Uh, uh, I didn't see a specific one on... Uh specific tab on people talking they um but through the events i think we can figure this out yeah because the events is kind of the schedule which includes the, yeah. the seminars so. so there's here's a Stephen hirsch yep that's our keynote uh then the awards ceremony the asimov awards is something that diego has actually did a couple years back but this time he's actually got real trophies and stuff to hand out at the show cool and of course, I think Glenside's doing their own trophy for some stuff too. So there'll be a couple of different awards going on. And As Asimov will be there in a little urn. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, earned his, he's earned his spot. Yeah. Glad, glad he could attend. <laughs> At least part of him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Simon Jonasson talking about Coco demo coding, which actually is, is something that the Coco has been rather underutilized for. We've had a couple brief demos in the Coco one and two days, and then there was a few more by Sockmaster and others on the Coco three side. But the Coco never really got that much of a demo scene compared to some of the other machines like the Commodores and the Ataris. Yeah. Um, I always joke that's because we actually did productive work. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like running operating <laughs> systems, wrong, wrong type of programmers. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is cool seeing because basically the point of a demo, and this kind of goes back to our, our gaming segment, was to see how far you could push the hardware doing weird things you'd never expect it to be able to do. And then that's yeah. the purpose of the demo scene. I mean, we've seen some pretty amazing stuff on the Commodores, the Atari's, even the uh, IBM PC CJ. I've seen some amazing stuff demo on demos there that shouldn't have been possible with those boards. So it'll be interesting to see what he says. And he's actually going to give a bit of a talk on it, too, which would be really cool to see what he has to say. Yeah, about the only demo that I wrote back in the day is somebody said, oh, you can't make a virus for the Coco. And I said, oh, sure you can. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> yeah, that's productive, Steve. Thanks for that. Yep. <laughs> so, it, so when you're not productive, you know who to blame. Yep. Yeah, Steve Bjork. So if your computer ever starts putting the little word ARF on the screen, now you know who to blame. <laughs> ah, boy. 
The thing is, the thing is with the cocoa virus, though. I mean, how do you spread a cocoa virus? Because every time you turn the thing on, it, it it's not in the memory anymore. No, no. Cocoa has things called floppy disks. Yep, and it has oh, things yeah, called ram yeah, hooks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can intercept basic mm-hmm. by loading some a little something in and have it duplicate itself in other disks in the background every time you swap floppies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, okay, you, see, enough. when you put yeah. a floppy disk in, I could sense the um, change of the uh, write protect, so I knew a floppy went in, and uh, um, what, uh-huh. the moment that you access the directory, I would infect the disk. Yeah. Okay. But same thing I, I made it very I mean. benign because it, uh, the way you remove the copy protect, I mean the um, virus off the disk, is on a computer that didn't have the virus. You just simply did a backup of the disk and would remove it. Okay. Well, I thought maybe you'd have to put the uh, diskette in a bowl of water for about ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll remove the virus for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Along with everything else. Steve, I thought maybe you'd just put a little pop-up screen saying, you know, if you buy Zaxxon right now online from Datasoft here, then I'll... I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's we'll ransomware, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing was, back in the day, you told me you couldn't do something. That was the wrong thing to say. Yep, <laughs> and that is one of the reasons. Yep. Going back to the game on discussion of of why some people want to do these ports, because you know, the, you, back in the day, they said you can't. That game, you could never make it look as good as the arcade. Right. And I think that is part of the challenge. Mm. And then someone will say, "Well, make a bad." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, if you challenge me to write a bad game, well, I'm I'm all for it. I can do that yeah. in my heartbeat. That's but... kind of how I got started <laughs> at MC10 programming. That you had to start working on a bad <laughs> computer and see if you could make it better. Now that's a problem. <laughs> Hey, Steve. Oh, you did succeed. You, I mean, you did speed up basic. Go ahead, Nick. Steve, have you got any idea behind the story why um, Puyan has those, they chose the um, the white P-Mode 3 and created uh, Puyan with purple trees, uh, purple skies and uh, magenta trees and all that, when the green mode was almost perfect for Puyan? What, any idea why Datasoft chose the white? Well, they were trippers. What's the first name on the title credits of the game? <laughs> James Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> so now, you're saying James and I worked blind. together on games. I did the major coding, uh, game design like that. Uh, he did some coding of some small routines he wrote the music you know came up with the score and he also uh, did a bunch of the art his art style was a little unusual and he loved that mode oh really oh yeah (laughs) he loved that mode why certain colors got picked for what they did is you have to remember what color was was basically zero zero and that made things easier for him so even in the mode that he selected, there could have been a way to make it look a little better. Nope, that's the way he selected. But um, now James worked on that game as I was going out the door from Datasoft. And it was the first game that he was in control. Now he was still using my engine to run everything, but he got familiar enough with it and knew how to use it. So yeah, you can blame 
James Guerin for the uh, art direction on that piece. I did not agree with his art direction, but I was going out the door. Maybe he's colorblind. It looks fine. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe he's got red, red, I was gonna suggest that. Um, yeah. Now, he had worked on some really hard stuff, including Atari 2600 games. And he was having some issues. He could not be in a room with the door closed. The door had to be open because fireballs were chasing him. Uh, I thought it would have been timer interrupts chasing him because that's pretty well I do right in great We've all had this where occasionally uh, you would see a spark in the eye or whatever. Well, he took those sparks in the eye as real fireballs and they were chasing him. So, yeah, there'd be times I'd be working all of a sudden you'd see the guy jump up and run out of the room like he was a, a chihuahua. I mean, it's just like <laughs> seeing a big guy run like that was unusual, but no, it just boom, he was gone. I go, okay, another fireball. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he was an interesting person. He reminds me a little bit of like Sheldon. He had a very specifically timed schedule. For, he, when he showed up at work, it was within a minute every day when he left, it was exactly at five o'clock and, um, well, he had, to, he had to leave on time because his wife would have dinner ready for him the moment that he got home and sat down. He couldn't be late for that. But um, that's, and uh, there's a lot of other things, too, that were unusual about how he kind of thought about things. And Would you classify him as eccentric? I think hmm. people that are eccentric would classify him as eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh... These days, would probably be diagnosed as an extreme version of um, Asperger's. I mean, I know there's a, a number of people, a number of us here, I mean, myself, I just got diagnosed with that last year. And no, I know there's a lot no, of us. James Karen was yeah. a very smart person with a very high IQ that if you think about Sheldon on Big Bang Theory, you're kind of going in the direction of him. Hmm. You never know what's going to pop out of his mouth as far as how he feels about something. Well, I mean, that's their classic traits of Asperger's. I mean, Asperger's yeah. isn't an intellectual, it isn't an intellectual disability. In yeah. fact, people with Asperger's are quite often high on the IQ spectrum. It's, 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 it's more a, uh, it's a social thing rather than an intellectual thing. Let's put it this way. Uh, every time we went to uh, Noggles, which is uh, kind of like your fast food Mexican restaurant, like Taco Bell, Del Taco, and like that. Matter of fact, Del Taco bought them out. He would buy the big beefy burrito and he would buy a tortilla. And I go, why do you always buy a tortilla? Well, as I eat this big beefy tor uh, burrito, parts of it are gonna fall out. They're gonna fall on this uh, extra tortilla and I get a second free burrito this way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, most people would say, gee, I'm just gonna eat the burrito a little bit more careful so it's not falling out. But no, when he, it's like, Remind me of a hog in a trough. <laughs> and half the burrito would end up on the other one. He finish it off with that second burrito. But that's the way he was. He was always thinking about how to do things and beat the system and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, every time I watch Big Bang Theory, I'd see Sheldon, I'd go, this, guy, this guy's familiar. Where do I remember a guy like James Garen. 
And so that's, that's where cool. the I like the burrito idea. From. I might have to try that. Yep. <laughs> Give you an excuse to wait like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I get an extra burrito. <laughs> one for you, one for a friend. Yeah. Well, James was a big guy. He's big and tall. Hmm. I don't think he got picked on a lot when he was a kid like most uh, smart kids would. Yeah, he would have just taken them out. I'm sure you could <laughs> knock him down in one punch. Anyway, back to the list here. Um, yep. Sorry about that. That's okay. That was an entertaining story, so I can't fault you on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the no minimum bid auction, of course, that's one of the highlights because you get to, get to see people bidding against each other for specific things. I've seen Steve involved that. Alan's Huffman, and whenever he's there, he's, he's involved with that. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Don't don't bid when Alan's bidding. Yeah, because then you're expecting to spend hundreds of dollars for like a you know a tea cracker or something. Um, the on-site dinner that's been really good. They've had really good uh, catered food, um, mm -hmm. nice, fairly cheap price, and it's basically all you can eat. It's, you know, as long as we don't run out of stuff, but it's quite varied. There's even vegetarian dishes for those that are inclined that way, and it's a good time to just visit and chat with everybody, visit tables, and talk to everybody at once because nobody's manning booths, nobody's doing seminars, so everybody's yeah, free. Yeah, that's definitely a reason to go to that one. You know, don't you know? It's, you can get a cheaper dinner elsewhere, but you can't get the conversation for that price. Yeah, exactly. Then we have the trivia contest. Um, this is, uh, I think, the third year of the tri uh, trivia contest. I, I participated in the first one. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it's kind of. Second one, and it was a lot of fun. I lost big time, but it was still fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I think I won the first one, but uh, I didn't even get a trophy for it. So I don't count it. <laughs> yeah. uh, then we have the Coco Chit Chat and Hangout time at 8.30, which. Um, is just hanging out, reminiscing, and just basically visiting, kind of like at the dinner, except this time in the exhibit hall, so you can actually visit the vendors and just talk to them in a much more casual way, where you're not, they're not trying to sell stuff. It's just just chatting, which is cool. Then we have the musical sing and jam, or singing and jam. Now, this is a bit different than previous years, because the last couple of years, it's basically been me, Brian, and Stevie, and that's pretty well. It. Occasional course, Tony, to come in and sing a couple of songs. But we've got a lot more musicians showing up this year like Paul Thayer and, and some others too. So I think this is going to be much more the jam session like it used to be Coco Fest 10, 20 years ago when there'd be like seven or eight of us all playing up there. So that I'm looking forward to that. I do find it ironic they have Bruce Moore, who's a great singer and a great musician uh, as the picture that they're using, but he's actually not going to be there this year. And on to Sunday, um, we've got, you know, Brian will be doing all the intro music for all the different countries represented. Uh, hopefully he's got them all because we have more than usual this year. Uh, then uh, Boise will be reviewing the call to papers, which is the technical papers on any interesting COCA-related projects. Um, I, I, I've been asked sometimes to submit stuff for Nitrous 9 years of use, but to be honest, I'm not a, I, I never finished my degree in computer science, so even trying to write a technical paper, it kind of sounds too daunting to me. <laughs> so I, I, I won't participate, but I do enjoy hearing what the other projects and what other people have put in. Um, Working lunch and Glenside meeting, they do this every year where basically since most of us end up being members of Glenside, if you've been to a fest, you automatically become a member. Uh, then you can actually participate in, in you know, kind of goals for the year and where they're going to, you know, and discussions on the next fest and that kind of stuff, what the finances for the fest are like, et cetera. So that's that's cool. It's kind of gets a bit dry, but if you're into the club, that's it's useful. Sunday auction, this is your last chance to pick up uh, really dirt cheap stuff or depending if Alan Huffman's bidding really expensive stuff to take home. I know Stevie's been quite active in those the last couple of years too. Is Alan coming this year? 
He's uh, on the fence right now because he's jobless still. He's been jobless now for a few months, so it's scraping <laughs> together enough. Fence. I know we've offered to give him, you know, free room and board in the past. I'm sure people have offered that again this year. So, on a uh, on a positive note, it means he probably won't be bidding very high on stuff. That's so. true. Actually, the oh, this, this could I was be the year where that. you get that. Yeah, I was thinking okay. that, but I wasn't going to say it. No, that's a good and a bad. It's good for people who want to get good deals, but it's bad for the club because the club uses it as a fundraiser to help fund next year's fest. You can't get them going too low. Otherwise, it's a problem. I probably won't have Joe Cola either. Oh, no, I'm disappointed. Holy cow. Oh, well. Yeah, somebody used to find a Dollar dollar General nearby. <laughs> There's like a Dollar General in like every little one-horse town. If you can't yeah, find a Dollar General I in think the United States. States, though, isn't it? Hmm? It's only in certain states, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they got them here. <laughs> Every down, little town has their house here, but they're closing their doors on some it's of them. A state of confusion. <laughs> they're they're spot there's around here. They're sprouting up everywhere like weeds. Every little town's getting one. I, I, they're going to have a Radio Shack in each one. So are you volunteering to bring the uh, Joe Cole? Well, I, last time I checked, my local Dollar General didn't have it. Mm. I think you can check online and it'll tell you which ones carry it. You just have to stop in on the way in one of those little house, one horse towns that actually has it. <laughs> First, you can just cats take... for ransom until you, you get them. So, but you can just take regular Coke and drop a couple of caffeine tablets and you got the same thing. Probably tastes better too. Yeah. No, that's what the JD's for. Uh, then we got the slow motion shutdown and cleanup, and that's where we keep getting warned as time progresses that, you know, come on, guys, we have to clear out of here by this certain <laughs> time. So, And then uh, the dinner off-site afterwards, which is, uh, I think, we've had, actually had a couple dinners, depending on which which group of people it is. So some people go to the Fuddruckers or Portellos or whatever, and others have gone to some other places, too. So what crowd you hang out with? Like the pizza and impromptu with no talks announcements. We sorry, what was that like the pizza joint with no tables? Oh, that was yeah, pre-show, free free seating in the parking lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> highly recommended by the hotel. Just yeah. no seating. Yeah. Uh, the uh, other thing is the impromptu talks because in the central room where the coffee and stuff is, is that we have these basically short and sweet talks that people can go in and we have the kind of a free for all. I participated in those a couple of times, just answered quick questions on the Nitrous 90s of Ease project. But it's nice if you don't have enough subject material, you don't think you have enough subject material for a full half hour, hour talk, you can just go in there and just do quick updates and quickly answer some questions. So that's always kind of fun. But because they're impromptu, they're not scheduled. You don't know if you missed something that would have been really cool to you personally, because you have no idea what's going to happen when on during those. So, Was uh, Linville's round table in there? Yes. But that, that was a planned talk. That wasn't an impromptu yeah. one. Then he had his free-for-all. He said, anybody have anything they want to talk about? And I went up for like a minute and a half. And some other people went up for just a couple minutes too. Now, they didn't put on the schedule when the people are going to go over to, was it the Galloping Ghost or Gobbling Ghost Arcade? Yeah, I didn't see that. But I'm trying to remember from last year, that was at the Sunday supper after Fuddruckers, isn't that when everybody went to Fuddruckers? That's, when, that's yeah. when some people went. It was very... Uh, it was it was tough after the show to do that. Some people would just opt to go back to the hotel and rest. Yeah, uh, some people were suggesting doing a Friday evening. Yeah, depending on when people get in. I know some people aren't getting into Friday evening, so they probably would miss it. But All right, I last year I had to prepare for a business trip the next morning, so I I couldn't go. Yeah, 
I mean, the arcade's great, a lot of fun. I have to admit, uh, I've, I, I didn't think the building codes would allow such small aisles between the machines. I mean, it's like somebody's playing a game, it's hard to get by them. And if two people are playing games across from each other, you can't get by them. You know, yeah. I gotta go down the other aisle. So you're I mean, saying James Garon would have problems getting through there? Or James Garon, I should say. That joke fell flat. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we understand. Rightfully so. Hey, Jason. A joke? Yes. The uh, find a jolt near you at your dollar uh, dollar general. Looks like Sio, Ohio, and Salinville. Um, Some place in West Virginia. Some place in West Virginia. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Sio is not close. I don't know where West Virginia. West Virginia could be close, but it all depends on where in West Virginia. It's east of Frankfort Springs, though. Oh, yeah, I think that's the problem. None of the local Dollar Generals have them. Nope. Yeah, there's nothing be. out here at all. No, well, there might be one on your path as you drive. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we get the stork to deliver. <clears throat> we got we got to pick up Diet Dr Pepper. Yeah, that's the important one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just a constant, just uh, a constant, just Dr. Pepper. Just, oh, here's more Dr. Pepper. I mean, mm-hmm. how much Dr. Pepper can that whole, can that car handle? That, that, that may be, that may be the goal. And diet Dr. Pepper. Don't forget yeah, that. Diet, yeah, diet Dr. Pepper with yeah. caffeine. Yeah. Diet Dr. Pepper. Anyway, that's a, that's a rundown of some of the stuff of the festival with the vendors. And we kind of went through the schedule for seminars and stuff too. So, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I really didn't think I was gonna be able to make it here until last minute. Some people, you know, chipped in to help me get there. So, thanks to all of you. You know who you are. So, how'd your hot water heater turn out? Um, it turned out to be just a repair versus a brand new one, which was good. But the repairs were a bit more expensive than I was originally expecting. So mm-hmm. that was one I kind of went back into being on the fence. But uh, some people chipped in, so I, I can make it. And it's just like, it's a hiccup for this year only. It was just due to the sale of a my biggest customer that uh, didn't get completed on time. So they lost the building they were supposed to go into. It's basically they've lost the first half years worth of business, which is you know one that I'm pretty dependent on because it is my largest customer. So that uh, everything's looking good. I've actually been, I've, I have a conference call with them and, and one of our big clients uh, on Tuesday here for stuff coming up in the fall. So by fall, I should be back to normal. Next spring should be back to normal. So this appears to be just a six month hiccup. Oh, cool. So your X10 plug Pow, uh, plug in power broke is that what happened on your water tank <laughs> no there's no remote on that sucker <laughs> all right what else we got have we, have we beat this one to death yeah that's uh, outro uh, nearly <laughs> i think it's getting I close i can't think of anything else to add here so just there i'm looking forward to the fest and i'm looking forward to meeting you a lot of you guys down there at the fest and for those that can't make it we'll hopefully have some video material for you guys to show on the show on saturday so you guys can kind of get a little bit caught up with what we're all seeing i've got something to add oh go ahead brian yeah this is for my wife um at the brower house right across the street they're having midget jello wrestling Saturday night. <laughs> Way to class up the show. Okay. Great. <laughs> and this is related to cow. This, this this sounds like it's prejudiced against dwarfs, so only midgets are allowed. I have no clue. I'm just telling you what she told me last night. 
<laughs> I believe they like oh, to be yeah. called little people. Yeah. Oh, what scares me the most, Brian, is the fact that your wife was looking that kind of stuff up. <laughs> if you have no, a... <laughs> no, she was actually told that by one of her uh, co-workers um, yesterday and says, oh, do you know this is going on over at the uh, Brower House? Says, oh, no, I didn't know that. So she says, maybe she'll go tomorrow. Who knows? Or not tomorrow, excuse me. Next weekend. <laughs> It's been a long it, week. Oh boy. Is it color computer green jello? You know, if a psychic medium escapes from prison, um, uh, um, a psychic midget escapes from prison, you've got a small medium at large. I hope that well, was funny. You're upside down in Australia there. No, yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, probably. I hope so. <laughs> While we're on uh, divergent topics, um, just a quick little finishing thing. Nick, um, I finally got my SYA 99 here. Are you, are you, can, still you, there, can, Nick? you can You can walk over next door and check it out sometime, huh? <laughs> is Nick still with us? He might have fallen asleep. It looks like he is. <laughs> it looks like it, and he doesn't look like he's muted, but he's not hearing, obviously. So. He might have had to walk away from his mic for a bit. That sometimes happens. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, be he's looking up that Jello thing. He's yeah. on his way over right now. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't going to come over with all the Cobra stuff. Hey, he's like a great Jello wrestling. He's busy running off to book a plane. <laughs> Somebody wanted to know uh, where do you get midget Jello? Oh. <laughs> Isn't everything available on Amazon? Poker fest. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody that's going to make it to Coco Fest and uh, I think that'll be a, a good time and not sure if I'm going to get there Thursday or Friday it all depends what's going on so we'll see it'll be Friday for me for sure I won't be there Thursday Any anybody else going to be there Thursday Friday Oh, oh yeah, I, I think this is pretty much making my decision then, because I originally booked for Thursday, so I think I might just uh, change my reservations. Well, they could just hang in the lobby and see who shows up. I'm having reservations about my reservations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time mm. to push this button right here. Push the button, Frank. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with the purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew and contributors. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. 
Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Oberholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Reichert, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, John Strong, and many more, especially Steve Bjork for his production suggestions. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Voice on Technologies at BOYSONTech.com. Get your own switcheroo and wallaby cable at CocoMan.biz. Cloud9 Technologies at Cloud, the number nine, Tech. Com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mix, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. All right. Okay, we're on live. And all right, don't forget any, Nick Marota. Any final parting thoughts? I'm going to go see if we're being mocked. <laughs> Are we even still on the air? We're not going to stop. Nick Marotta. <laughs> Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. I was saying, I, looking forward to seeing a lot of you at the fest. Yeah, it's going to be. I've, I've got breaking news. I, I got a message from my brother that, according to the website, that his local Dollar General has it, and I'll be passing through his neck of the woods. So maybe I'm yes. going to I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a possible maybe on the Jolt Cola. Awesome. How much do I have to bribe you to pick some up? It'd be easy for you to transport it to me. Well, yeah, it's so just nasty. <laughs> I don't like the stuff, so I don't particularly like the cola flavor either. But you know, it's Joel. You two must be just too young to appreciate Joel. I'll, I'll just, I'll just stick to the the, the uh, okay. David Ladd beverage uh, minus the uh, water. They they could have they could have stopped with extra caffeine instead of twice the sugar it's nasty <laughs> it's not good no well, it's all the sugar and twice the caffeine i thought well that you gotta also good. remember too the caffeine you know what that does that raises your blood sugar mm -hmm. yeah. and what both of those things do is give me massive migraines so i'm allergic to caffeine and, and high sugar or that i'd be i'd be out of action for a month will there be a sure. doctor at the show <laughs> yeah my wife is the exact opposite if she doesn't get her diet cokes with the caffeine in them she gets a headache i think we're going to have a dr pepper at the show but i'm not oh, sure about go. his credentials <laughs> right but i'm gone hey everybody and i think that's it for the show yeah push the button right. frank time to pull the plug all right goodbye everybody goodbye everybody bye, bye. 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 bye.